Hey guys, brand new podcast, Big Week. My voice sounds great right now. So much better. Sounds great. Big Week. Cleveland, I am coming your way tomorrow. If you're listening to this, right now. I'm on your, I'm flying to you right now to do my Netflix taping of my special. Thank you to every single city through the Body Shots World Tour that helped me write this hour. Thank you, every single one of you. I got very emotional, and I'm going to get emotional now, Jesus. I got very emotional in um, Salt Lake City. I want to thank every person that came out to this tour. Uh, this is this Body Shots World Tour has been the greatest experience of my life, of my professional career. Aw, baby doll. It's a lot to be proud of. It's a really good hour. <laughs> Aw. It's okay. You can cry. Stop, 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 stop. stop. <laughs> it's okay to cry. I'm not going to cry. I cried on stage. Well, you're crying a little bit. <laughs> I'm, I'm crying a little bit. <laughs> it's okay to cry. Uh, you know what? Here's the thing. There are not many people on the planet that get to live their dream. And you are getting to live your dream. And that is powerful and humbling. And it's beautiful to see that you're humbled by it. Because you are. Yep. <laughs> Sorry, did I, do you want me to not talk? <laughs> I'm very proud of you. This is a really good hour. You've worked so hard on it. I can't wait to see it on Netflix. It's going to be a great weekend in Columbus. I'm excited to go with you, but I will not be joining Don't the- Don't go to Columbus. Go to Cleveland. Okay, Cleveland. Sorry, Cleveland. I keep saying Columbus because it's both C's. Yeah. Sorry. I'll be with you in Cleveland, but I will not be doing the crew mandated spin class. <laughs> Sorry. Regardless, I want to thank every person that came out to see me. You'll never know how much it means. Never, 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 never. Mm. I, don't, I don't know. There's no words to say. Thank you. But just thank you. I, didn't, I was skeptical of doing theaters. I didn't think I'd sell a ticket, to be dead honest with you. I didn't think we'd ever add shows. And I didn't think that we'd add as many as we did. I never dreamed of, I dreamed, I dreamed of having a tour bus. I dreamed of it. I dreamed of it. I mean, that was a dream. Just one of those dreams like you say, you see someone with a boat, you go, oh, one day I'd like to have a boat. Uh, having a tour bus and having my friends to travel with me. Partying with you guys after the show, you guys being as cool as you were, every fucking venue. I have such great fucking memories. Oh. But thank you. Isla, one time, I bought her an iPad for Christmas. She said, uh, <clears throat> how many tickets did you have to sell to get this iPad? And I never looked at life that way. And then I was like, Shit, I had to sell like a thousand dollar iPad. I had to sell a bunch of fucking tickets. She goes, How much is a ticket? I said, $35. She goes, So, hypothetically speaking, if you had to sell, say, 20 tickets or, or 50 tickets, 50 people had to work like three hours each for me to get an iPad. And it over fucking whelmed me. Oh, 
<laughs> I've said Body Shots World Tour so much. Yeah. Are you going to have a hard time? Uh, it's like World Star. World Star, like it just comes out of my world mouth. World Star? Nothing, Liam. What's World Star? It's nothing. It's going to be hard to stop saying that and start saying Birdie Bird World Tour. But by the way, we've added shows for the Birdie Bird World Tour. <laughs> uh, we just added five shows. I think Nashville. I don't know. It's on my Instagram. Atlanta. Atlanta we had a, added a show. We have, we're adding shows there. I'm very grateful. I'm working very hard on this new hour. I've got to get this other hour out of my fucking bag, out of my pockets. It's I love it, but you know, you get an hour. You get you you do an hour so much. You're like, I'm ready for fucking tape this. <laughs> what are you trying to say? Oh, I just I don't fucking did this take you off guard? Yeah, it caught me off guard. I'm in such a rush. I got to get to two bears, one cave, and I'm running late. It's okay. It'll <clears throat> be okay if you're running late. I uh, I've told these jokes, these stories, so many times. It's kind of weird to think. I'm going to tell them seven more times and that's it. But they'll be immortal because they'll be on Netflix. <laughs> and really Unless it's like the machine and something goes viral and I'll tell it another <laughs> fucking <laughs> I know. I've, I, every time that start, story starts, I go, okay, I'm going to go get a cup of coffee. Uh, <sighs> sincerely, from the bottom of my heart, thank you. Thank you for everyone that came out to the Body Shots World Tour. It was the greatest experience of my life. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you to Nick, Heidi, Reg, Judy, Leo, all the people over at CrowdSurf. Joe Boo. Joe Boo. Outback. Cobra. Andrew. Leo. I named, named oh, Leo. Yeah, yeah, named Leo. Uh, Jesus, Dusty, Shane. Tim, Dave, uh, Rory, Rory. Who else did I? Is that all I toured with? You're anyway, leaving, you're leaving out one person. Oh, Ron, Ron and Dean, <laughs> and my wife Leanne, and your wife. Leanne. Thank you, Leanne, for letting me letting me uh, pursue my dream. It's been so much fucking fun. You have no idea how much fucking fun I've had. You have no idea. I, I feel like just fucking around being goofy comedy is in the best place it's ever been in its entire life and it's so fun that me and tom can fuck around and joe and joe coy and and all of us can fuck around with each other and do do fucking shout out videos and slow-mo videos and and just fuck around with each other it's so much comedy is so much fun right now i feel bad for those people that are taking it way too serious and they're not just having fun with it. We have a job just to make people giggle and just <clears throat> buy stupid fucking tracksuits. <laughs> By the way, I'm getting compliments on my tracksuit. You look great in that tracksuit. Lots of compliments. <laughs> but thank you. 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 To the Birdie Boy World Tour. It starts in January. January 30th, I think, is the first date. I think so, yeah. Uh, we have added shows. Go to burtbert.com and uh and let's see if we can outdo ourselves let's see if we can take it to the next level this has been an amazing experience and i am just looking to 
do better in stand-up, challenge myself more in stand-up, and have more fun shooting stuff on the road. We want to do more content. We want to do more interactive things. I think I'm going to reach out a little more to you guys because spearfishing, surfing, all those things we did on the road were so much fun for us as a group. I'd like to reach out to you guys. You know this is a family that we all found each other nine years ago, probably through Rogan and and Tommy and and Joey and Ari and all of us found each other through these podcasts and we all started listening to the same podcast and now we all kind of listen tune in and tap in and out to the other but we've known each other forever so so we're going to reach out to you guys i have that phone number 323-208-0844 if you've got cool shit to do use the hashtag content king in the app or in the in the in the app in the in the, in the text. text in the text then i can search content king and or con- yeah, content king, and that's what I'll start calling myself. And the content ch- king. Yeah, I can't. I can't reuse champ. Tom's beating down the champ, water champ, tour bus. I, I beat him on the tour bus champ. He's now the private jet champ by far. Yeah, totally. I'm definitely the tracksuit champ. You for sure. Although push may have you. Uh, oh yeah, she has great fucking pa- tracksuit. She's a tracksuit champ for sure. This podcast is brought to you by Policy Genius. Tis the season. To elect benefits through your workplace. Most people know open enrollment is a decision time for healthcare coverage, but it's also the perfect moment to reassess your life insurance needs. To properly provide for your family, most people need 10 times the life insurance coverage that they get through their jobs, which means that your employer's life insurance is leaving you underinsured. That is where Policy Genius can help. I absolutely love Policy Genius. I got life insurance policy when I was 32 years old and I was overwhelmed by the process and I didn't want to do it. Everything about it scared me. Everything about it. And then my dad explained it to me very simple. Stop being a fucking idiot <laughs> and get life insurance. You have to. If you have a kid. If something happens to you, do you want your children to grow up some ragamuffin running the streets, stealing newspapers and selling them for a nickel? just hoping to make money because their dad died and didn't take care of them. And I just fell apart. It's one of the best things I've ever gotten. I need to get uh, disability insurance. We have it. Policy Policy Genius is the easiest way to shop for life insurance that's not tied to your job. In minutes, you can compare quotes from the top insurers to find your best price. Once you apply, Policy Genius teams handles all the paperwork and the red tape. The life insurance you buy through Policy Genius stays with you even if you leave your job. And Policy Genius doesn't just make it easy to get life insurance. As I said, they can help you find the right home, auto, or disability insurance. So when you're looking at your workplace benefits this month, make sure to double check your life insurance options. Then go to policygenius.com to get quotes and apply in minutes. Policy Genius, the easiest way to compare and buy life insurance. This podcast is also brought to you by Hims. Hims is a wellness brand for men. All men need to take care of this stuff. The problem with men is some of us are afraid of certain hurdles we have to go over. Look, you start noticing you're losing your hair. A lot of guys lose their hair before the age of 35. A lot of guys. Uh, actually, 66% of guys do that. Do they Myself, really? Yeah, but you once you, you see it, you just start throwing a hat on and forget about it. But you can take care of it. Once you've noticed it, it can be too late. If that hairline slowly starts going backwards, or you're seeing a bald spot, the best way to prevent it is to do something about it while you still have hair. So it's time to get those precious locks taken care of. Right now, this Black Friday, secure all the best deals on a healthier, thicker hairline. This is exactly what I did. 
a lot of guys, a lot of my friends turned to like weird solutions to see if they could fix better. There was a pill you could take, like a, a like a an additive. You could get a GNC, some shampoos. Mm-hmm. I went straight to the doctor. By the way, that can be overwhelming. For a lot of guys, they don't want to go to an awkward doctor in-person visit or long, wait in some long pharmacy lines. For hims, connects you with real doctors online, which could save you hours. Completely confidential and discreet. Answer a few questions and a doctor will review and determine if it's right for you, then prescribe the medication to treat your hair loss that is then shipped directly to your door. This Thanksgiving, when the relatives say, hey, to a healthy and full, they'll finally be talking about your hairline and not the turkey. Guys, do not <laughs> trust those snake oil pills. These are prescriptions backed by science. Try Hims today by starting out with a free online visit. Go to 4 slash BurtCast. That's 4 slash BurtCast. 4 slash BurtCast. Prescription products are subject to doctor approval and require an online consultation with a physician who will determine if a prescription is appropriate, see the website for full details and safety information. This would cost hundreds, guys, if you went to a doctor's office or a pharmacy. Remember, that's 4 slash BurtCast. You, you turned on a light. I was wondering what the fuck that was. <laughs> Thank you. I was like, I was like, I, all of a sudden it changed. I go, am I having a fucking stroke? <laughs> no, is that what you smell? I think that's heart attack. No, it's a stroke. Yeah, airstrike. I think it's toaster uh, or almonds. This podcast also is brought to you by Public Rec. Think about your favorite pair of raggedy old sweats. Don't you love how comfortable they are to lounge in, but you find yourself not being able to wear them out of the house. Now there's a pair of pants you can do both in. Let me tell you something. I am a big sweatpant guy. That is my eye starting on the 24th of this month. I will be in nothing but sweatpants until January 20th. Now, for me, coming home and changing into sweats, I don't have to do it. I can have pants that work on the outside and on the inside. I can lay back on the couch. Public Rec's all-day, everyday pants eliminate the gap between style and comfort. Feel the comfort of home even when you're out. Great for the office and the bar and anywhere in between. Your new go-to stylish sweats. Comfier than jeans. Indoor comfort meets outdoor style. They're the first sweats that have a waist and inseam sizing. So whether you're short or tall, you can just throw them on and they fit perfectly. You don't have to wear those long ones. I know Leanne had that problem. You had to pull your sweats up to your mid belly button yes. because they were too long. <laughs> that You don't get that with Public Rec. The design details like the elastic waistband and internal drawstring, the two deep front zipper pockets, and the faux front fly have a more formal look. They have nine different colors to choose from, one for every day of the week and then some. I'm telling you, I threw these pants on the other day. Absolutely loved them. Slept in them. Yeah. Slept in them. <laughs> woke up, washed them with all my clothes, and then flew in them. That's the, nice. Dude, I'm telling you, if you fly a lot, these are the pants because you don't look like a slouch. It's hard to rock sweatpants in a who wants to dress like it's like like the children you see dressing you st- I grew up wearing a suit on a plane when I was a kid. Yeah. I'd wear a collared shirt. I never flew anything other than a collared shirt. My mom used to dress me up. And then you know me, I was super specific about what I wore. Yeah. Uh, for a long time, I wore jeans, leather jacket hoodie, boots. Yep. Look nice. You want to yep. look nice on a plane. Yeah, that's right. You don't want to look like a slouch. And then Tom and Joey Diaz introduced me to sweatpants and I couldn't find sweatpants that look good on a plane. Because they look like pants. Because you're sitting in yeah. first class. If you get upgraded to first class, you don't want to look like you got upgraded to first class. You want to look like you belong. You're wearing your jammies. You're yeah. wearing your jammies. Yeah. 
Public Rec's all-day, everyday pants are the most versatile, stylish, and comfortable pants you'll ever own. And right now, they have an exclusive offer just for our listeners. Go to publicrec.com slash BurtCast today and get 10% off your order automatically applied at checkout. That's Public Rec. That's R-E-C, spelled R-E-C, <laughs> dot com slash BurtCast for 10% off. Let me spell it out for you one more time. That's Public Rec. P-U-B-L-I-C-R-E-C dot com slash BurtCast. Don't sleep on this rare opportunity to get a discount. PublicRec.com slash BurtCast. Thank you, everyone. I am not crying anymore. I am now late for Two Bears, One Cave. Segura's going to be pissed because I totally forgot we were doing it today. This podcast has been a long time coming. I did this with I did this with Paul Verzi probably three months ago now, two months ago. And everyone had a everyone had a hard in or hard out of like when their podcast needed to air. Verzi's such a sweet fucking guy. He just kept texting me like, did our podcast go okay? Is there a reason you're not airing it? <laughs> Burr hit me up. He's like, are you going to air that? And I was like, no, it's a great fucking podcast. So I've been sitting on this fucking gem. Paul Verzi's a great guy. Great comic. Just did a special on Comedy Central. I think, is it on Comedy Central? Do you have that info? I think it's on Comedy Central. I know that we produced it over at All Things Comedy. And it... And almost certain, we talk about this on the podcast, and I think it was one of the biggest specials they had to date. Um, he used to work with Burr. That was a long time ago. He's been headlining by himself for a long time now, but he's an old school dude. He's got an old soul, cigar smoking, gold chain on his wrist. Like, I just love Verzi. He's like a he's like a man's man. It is streaming on Comedy Central. It's streaming on Comedy Central. Go check it out. Um, do you know the name of it? Oh, I just closed it's funny it. That you... I'll say this is the name of it. Oh, I thought you were gonna, I thought you were going to go. I'll say this. I'll say this now streaming at Comedy Central. Um, this is a great podcast. You're going to absolutely love it, you, uh, ladies and gentlemen. Well, let me check his tour dates real quick. So I'm sure he gave tour dates out, and then I was like, "Yeah, I'll put those up there." And then now it's a moot point because it's been a fucking forever. P A U L V I R. Z-I. Z-I. That's right. His website is his website's paulversi.com. I guess that was a pretty easy one to get. Yeah. Let's see his tour dates. New Comedy Central special. He's got a podcast called The Verzi Effect. He's from Hasbro Heights, Hasbro Heights, New Jersey. No, no. Oh, that's one of his tour dates. Here we go. Uh March, Hasbro Heights, New Jersey, Philadelphia. Uh in uh 411 to 413. God damn it, it did it again, Verzi, you motherfucker. Check him out on on Twitter. PA right now, Paul's listening. It's going, God damn it, Bert. Read out my fucking tour dates. <laughs> uh, check out the Verzi effect. Ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, my buddy, stand up comedian, Paul Verzi. This is Oh, man. Thanks, but No, of course. Thank Quip. Yeah. They uh, those toothbrushes fucking rock. They're good for the on the road. Are they? Yeah, that's yeah, awesome. Yeah. You rolling, Austin? Yeah, they're good for on the road because they have a cover and the cover. Have you, you never used a Quip toothbrush? No, and it's electric. It's electric it's like- toothbrush. Yeah, we're doing a read in the legit part of the show. Uh, it's a great toothbrush. It's vibrating. It vibrate. It uh, it beeps every thirty seconds, so you brush your teeth for two minutes. And it's really? got a top that you can stick to the mirror and put your toothbrush in, ah. and then. Put the cover on, throw it. In the, I'll tell you, the best part about that fucking toothbrush, it's going to sound crazy, is the toothpaste. The Quip toothpaste is so good. Oh, good. Yeah, so enjoy. Oh, dude, I will. Thank you. 
Make sure this thing's off. I like that watch. Yeah, so um, I got this watch in Berlin when I when uh, I was with Burr. That's a beautiful fucking watch. You know what it is? No, it's a swatch. Shut the fuck up! I swear to God, it's a swatch, Let me dude. See it. It's a swatch. Three less than three hundred. Dude, I and it it's just my favorite looks, watch I've ever had. So fucking classy. It's my favorite watch I've ever had. That's a fucking swatch. It, it's a swatch, dude. Cause swatch has a whole line of now metal and like instead dude, of the crazy color shit. Isn't that crazy? Fucking watch. Yeah, it's my favorite. Thanks, dude. I love it. Yeah. You got a little bit of old school man in you, huh? I, I, you know what's crazy about it? Like they always joke about me with it. The older I get, the older I get. Like I like appreciate sedans. Like, <laughs> like I fucking love a four door smooth ride, not fast. You do, I, can you I know? tell you when I was when I was uh, <laughs> I was I mean I must have been thirty two. Yeah, it was before I had Georgia. I must have been thirty. Right. I went to go buy a new car, and. Uh, I ended up getting a, a Yukon Denali. It was gr- I got a great deal. Oh, I remember it. those. Yeah, it was a dude. That was a fucking. That was a great car. truck. That was dude. a great. I, that might have been my most pleasurable thing I've ever bought in my life. Wow, that's a, that's a crazy. Or, or at least I leased it, but yeah. I almost got, I almost got a Cadillac DTS. That was the sedan. Oh, I remember. Yeah, the badass fucking sedan. Keeper yeah. Sutherland drove around a light one. Yeah. Adam Sandler had one. Yeah. I, I'd seen them driving in it. And I, every time I saw it, I was like, <laughs> God damn, that's a badass ride. Yeah. But I, I test drove it. It drove awesome, but I felt like too old. I felt like it made me feel old. And Leanne's right. like, You're not that old yet. Leanne was with me when we were just dating at the time. So I got the truck, but I love a sedan. Yeah. I love a sedan. I love a four door. <laughs> um, but there's just like little things that like I'm appreciating, like this chain. I got a chain. You know, my wife got me the chain when the special came out, and yeah. I was never a chain guy. Yeah. And now it's like I can't. It's part of me. It's it yeah. has to. Yeah. So I'm getting that. I, yeah, I think you're right. It's funny pinky that rings you, next. The pinky no, ring. that one. No, no this, that's where that's where I draw the line. I've been looking for a fucking. You ready for this? A classy <laughs> pinky ring that's yeah. a horseshoe. Oh, that's, I want a classy oh, yeah. diamond encrusted. That's hilarious. horseshoe. My mother. See, a lot of people think I'm just Italian because how I look and my last name's Verzi. <laughs> Look at how I sound. <laughs> how I look, how I sound, me. everything about me. My mother's 100% Greek. I'm, really? I'm, I'm as much Greek as I am Italian, so I think that offsets the pinky ring because I don't want the pinky ring, and I really? think that's why. Because if my mother was Italian, I'd probably already have two of them. Yeah, like I don't want it. Yeah. I think it's too much. It is too much. For me, it's too much. You know? I, I, grew up around, um, I grew up around a lot of older, I, I don't know the right word for this, but like older Southern like uh mafia so like southern that's anyone that knows me is gonna be like what the fuck are you talking about (laughs) there's a guy this is what i meant to say like the burt reynolds types the kinds who grew up in florida that were good old boys that had jewelry i remember those were the guys that my dad worked for when i was a kid right ernie hereford was this one guy he owned a ford dealership and ernie had like rings on every finger bracelets and i remember just being like this sounds so cheesy, but I'm like, man, one day I'll be that kind of man. I'll be covered in bracelets and rings. Yeah, and yeah. Wealthy. Do you have a chain or no? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. This one I have. So funny. I said to my wife one time, I, I'm the kind of guy that I'm such a hypocrite because I will make fun of things that I realize I am doing nonstop. Like <laughs> I started making fun of comics that wear uh, hats that have the hometown that they're from. 
Oh, yeah. It drives me nuts. Yeah. That's all I wear is Tampa Bay hats. That's so funny. I love a good Bucks hat. Like an old yeah. throwback creamsicle Bucks, Bucks hat. That's a that's a great, but I'll tell you who does it the most, and I figured it out. I, the, I can tell you who does. Who, who Keep does going. It? Everyone. No, I, no, Cleveland, number one. Guys from Cleveland, the land, the, I mean, all these different, it's like they're so proud of it. They're so proud of that town. They're so proud of Cleveland when they're there. I notice this. All the comics in New York that are from there, just constantly Cleveland apparel. It's it's amazing. But I, I'm, I, but I say that I was watching, we were watching Survivor and Rob from Boston mm-hmm. had a gold chain on. Yeah. I go, who the fuck wears a gold chain? <laughs> My wife goes, you asshole. I went, oh shit. I didn't oh, even yeah. realize. I didn't oh, even, I, but it's just such a part of me. Yeah. I don't even see it. My grandmother gave me this uh, when I was 25. I was going through um, my first real bout of like OCD and like uh, kind of I could not shut it off. Yeah. I was I really was going crazy. I didn't know it, but I had I had OCD really bad. Wow. And my grandmother, uh, I came home. My, it got so bad. My mom flew me home. I was living in New York. I was trying to get into comedy. I just was failing everywhere. And I was yeah. very, I was depressed probably if I knew how to register depression. My mom flew me home. My buddy, my my roommate, Ty, called my mom. was like, something's going on with Bert. You should, I, I don't know. I, I can't talk to him like that, but something's going on with Bert. Mm-hmm. My mom just flew me home. I came home, landed, went ended, ended up in my backyard with my dad and my mom and my sisters. And my grandma showed up. My grandma's like, everyone leaves. My grandma's drinking vodka. And she says, um, Look, I, I don't know what you're going through. I don't need to know what you're going through. I just know you're going through something. And I, I don't I don't know how to help you, but here and she gave me this necklace with Saint Jude on it. She was like, uh anytime you have a problem, just pray to Saint Jude. And she gave me the Saint Jude prayer card. And she wow. goes, Saint Jude can he's the patron saint of hopeless cases. And if you feel hopeless, feel lost, Saint Jude will fix it. This, this is gonna sound really fucking crazy, and I'm sure this isn't healthy. But what I started doing is every time my obsessive compulsiveness took over, I pulled out the prayer card and I read it <clears throat> instead wow. of get, instead of letting myself get obsessive. I prayed to St. Jude. Wow. And then what happened is after like a week, I got so tired of reading the goddamn prayer yeah. that I was like, just be done with this. And I stopped being obsessive compulsive. Well, it's funny you say that because I'm, I suffer from that. And, and Really? I, oh, my God. Like uh, obsessive compulsive, you know, took over my life for a while. To the point where, uh, to the point where it was crippling. Where, but I had, um, I talk about it in the special too. At the end, I, uh, I have what they call a pure obsessive. It's called a puro. It's different than regular obsessive. Like my obsessive compulsive was, it would not be washing my hands, or my OCD would not be like. Sometimes if it got really bad, I would have to. I used to go into a urinal, have to count or touch something three times, or do like, or have that. But mine's thoughts. Okay, so so, so I would so so I would keep going. So you know, for example, if I was you know if I'm holding a and and I talk about it, like if I hold a baby or something that I love and I thought about harming it, I would have to sit down and really break down in my mind why would I do that because it's the last thing I want to do in the moment. Yeah. It used to happen to me before I got on stage. Sometimes when I was really comfortable on stage, it would happen on stage, and I would have to tell myself, like, dude, just go through the joke. And obviously, nobody in the crowd knew. But it was something that I really struggled with bad. And and then I called a doctor and like this doctor in Boston who like specializes in it. She's like, yeah, the thoughts invade you at the most vulnerable time. And you made a really good point, though, Bert, when you're depressed, it's when you're the most vulnerable. It's a very clever, it's a very clever disease. And OCD is not people think, oh, it's funny. Oh, this person counts. This person doesn't. No, no, no. I would sit there and think about awful, violent 
sexual, hurtful to people I loved and just sit there and be like, why? And then I had to kind of do what you did where I was like, it got to a breaking point where I'm like, look, I just, you got to tell yourself it's just the OCD and just, you just get tired of it. But that St. Jude thing is, that's pretty awesome. Wait, wait, when did it, when did you first notice you were obsessive compulsive? Like, when do you remember it? I had a really bad, I had a really bad, um, I'm not going to say upbringing because my upbringing was, was filled with love, but my, my parents had a really brutal divorce when I was five and my brother was 10, but it was like brutal. It was like textbook, what not to do if you get divorced. And I know my mother and father would be, you know, it would kill him to hear that, but like it was, it was just not handled well. It was the middle of the '80s. My dad comes from this 100% Sicilian family where you just don't do this. My mom wasn't happy, kind of bad mouthing each other. Me and my brother got stuck in the middle, and a lot of security was stripped of me because it wasn't like, oh, my dad cares about my mom, you know, or my. It wasn't like one of the best quotes ever. John Wooden quote, uh, UCLA coach. He said uh, he's got two two best quotes. One is. Failure to prepare is preparing to fail, right? Failure to prepare is preparing to fail, yeah. That's one of my favorites. And the other one is the best thing a father can do for his children is love their mother. And and that's- uh, That's true, man. Dude, I am fucking killing it. Dude, yeah. <laughs> I love yeah. that woman more than she's ever loved me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and, but I watch it now. I watch, like when I hug my son, I have a 10-year-old boy and a seven-year-old little girl. Yeah. And when I hug my wife, they light up. I watch them look because they do hear us argue sometimes. Yeah. They'll hear like, uh, you know, not crazy, but like, what the fuck? You don't, don't, come on, don't talk to me. Like, and they'll just be like, then all of a sudden they see hugging and they they open up. I didn't have that. So uh, a lot of, you know, a lot of things were messed up. My mom, we had to move a lot. So I always had this, this thing of like. Your mom's Greek? My, my mother's Greek. And um, I in third grade, they noticed that we had like this little walkway into the kitchen, but I'd walk around it. And they were just like. That's kind of weird how he's just not walking. I like had to walk around it for something and it was some security thing that I I wasn't even aware of. And then they were like, oh, something then, you know, started to see, you know, uh, you know, therapists and deal with it. And then, you know, I think that's now I think back, like there was like comedians are fucked up and comedians have issues and, you know, stuff like that. I think everybody is. But uh, I think this is probably why moving, trying to, you know, I was always like the funny guy because that was what made me feel comfortable with yeah. my friends to be funny or tell a story because it was acceptance. Like, oh, listen to him tell it. And, and I, so maybe that's where it comes from. But I think the OCD came from that. I had anxiety um, really young. When I was 10, I remember, I remember it vividly. I remember my first panic attack when I was like 13. Wow. But when I was... Dude, my pa that panic attack was so fucking real. I was sitting in my living room with my dad, and I looked in the fireplace, and a thought just popped in my head. If you don't do this right, you go to hell forever. And I went, and it overwhelmed me. I was like, I don't want to go to hell, yeah. let alone forever. And then I was like, wait, what's forever? Yeah. I was like, fuck, oh, my God. And I could not, I, I had to go into the bathroom. My, my dad was like, it's, it's hard to talk about your parents as an adult because their re recollection is not at all uh, accurate sometimes. Like, right. they, like well, the things that affected us. Right. I remember one time That's I realized true. I was laying in bed and I realized my dad would die one day and I wouldn't have him. And it, and it fucking freaked me out. I was 10. Yeah. This is when I started getting anxiety. I went into his bedroom and woke him up. And he, my dad does not wake up easily. He's like, motherfucker, what? What the <laughs> fuck? What? What? Yeah. And I was like, hey, dad you're not gonna die one day are you and he was like yeah yeah we're all gonna die you are too and i went wait i'm gonna die and i fucking lost it i was like wait i could deal with you dying but me 
and I was up all night. I used wow. to have panic attacks watching Johnny Carson. And I would. What would happen was it was just, it was it. it it's it, you get like blinders on almost. Yeah. And it's like you tunnel vision, and it would feel like he was yelling at me. Yeah. I would feel like this part of my nail of my toenail, the nail was going into my toe, and I just wanted to pull the skin out. It was. I mean, it was like real, like losing yeah. your mind, shit. And mm -hmm. I couldn't talk to anyone about it. And I had it all the way until um, I didn't know what it was. I didn't know what panic attacks were or even obsessive compulsiveness. I didn't think it was, I didn't think, I thought obsessive compulsiveness was counting shit. I didn't know it could be like, like the same thought going over and you can't shut it down. Yeah. And, you, and you're just like, come on, man, let's fucking get out of here. Yeah. Um, I, Probably until I was like in my, almost like probably 28 29 then i was like oh this is a panic attack yeah oh this is i would get them on planes all the time this someone gave me a xanax and i was like oh my god what yeah. the f i feel normal yeah yeah no it's uh i can't believe you're saying what you're saying dude i feel like you'd like like have the bio on my life because i was in third grade sitting on the couch nobody was there it was me the tv the couch my mom was in the kitchen and i had a full-fledged panic attack and i didn't know but i'm in third grade so they were like what the fuck like they were talking about should they put should they put me in a hospital yeah i was like you know i, I was like the thought was and when you said vivid it was wait why am i who i am why am i here do you know that thought of why are you who you are? And I'm literally going like, why am I? Why do I look the way I do? Why am I thinking like this? And it was just this fucking surreal thing about my being. But I'm in third grade. Yeah. And I started looking around, obviously, like, what the fuck? And my mom and I started breathing. And my my mother, fortunately and unfortunately, my mother dealt with it her whole life. Yeah. So she was able to say, you can't die from this. This is just a, a thing, something that's going to oh, pass. I wish someone had told me that. Yeah. So the fact that my mother went through it and dealt with it, she was able to say, Paul, you cannot die from this. This is what is called an anxiety attack. You're panicking. Just breathe. It'll pass. And my mom actually going through it made me not be like, holy shit. Like, so it, it's, it's crazy. There's something really, uh, you know, <clears throat> empowering once you get through anxiety attacks or panic yeah. attacks where you go. Like my daughter has them. My daughter will have them. You can put that on there. Don't worry about that. I don't want to. Um, my daughter has them. My oldest, my youngest is a fucking mouth breather. She's never, she's never gonna have anything. The kid's gonna fuck. She's like a rock. You can't hurt that kid. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so, but Georgia gets them, and the first time she got one, I was like, and by the way, what's crazy as a parent is your 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 parenting is like your mom said hold on i can help you with this yeah i had to go into georgia and be like hey i almost was giggling like going welcome to the team right like <laughs> right this is i knew this was gonna happen i'm so glad it's like almost like what it's got to feel like when uh like when a superhuman when like a superhero's dad his son flies for the first time. He's like, I knew this. You could do this. <laughs> right. Or like when Teen Wolf wolfed out. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I knew it was going to happen to you. That's the perfect example. When he opens the door and he's a wolf and he's like, here we go. I could. I, I was waiting for this. <laughs> That's exactly what it is. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, baby, you're not dying. You're not having a heart attack. Yeah. Uh, you don't, you're not going to shit your pants. You're fine. Yeah. Like just breathe you're fine i'm your dad i'm right here with that's you that's huge that you did that for her yeah and, and we yeah. just breathed together and she calmed down she's like what is it and i said it's a panic attack i've been dealing with my whole time my whole life she was like i don't like him i was like don't worry we're getting you in therapy 
we're gonna fix it and it, yeah. and so my wife is a gangster she just fucking scooped her up put her in therapy and got like and and a therapist that deals with anxiety that could teach her coping mechanisms and so oh. now it's like i'm i georgia will see me spinning because mine now my panic attacks <clears throat> will be more stress related and they'll be me not i won't be able to manage yeah and jo you can see georgia like dad you gotta breathe listen to the call map the call i gotta be honest with their sponsor too the call map if you have i have sleep anxiety by the way i drink so much mm -hmm. um i couldn't just lay, i never in my life could just lay in bed and go to sleep i would lay in bed and it would be like inviting the demons in because you couldn't turn the thoughts off i couldn't i couldn't even not only could i not turn them off it was like all of a sudden someone unkinked a hose and my brain <laughs> fucking flooded the hose just going like this like just sa, yeah, sa, yeah, yeah. Sa, sa, sa. yeah that's like crazy. a fire hose and i'm trying to catch it going yeah calm down trying like, to calm it yeah i mean it's so bad my wife would make fun of me but like i would set traps up around the house like if i didn't drink I would yeah. be I would be certain someone was coming in to kill us in the middle of the night. I'd set traps up around the house, like skateboard on the door, so that if someone jiggled the door, the skateboard would fall, scare the dog, wake me up. But yeah, it's do your do, do, do your kids deal with it at all? Uh, so so far, not now. My my daughter Sophia, seven year old, she her anxiety is the doctor. She had something, she had something traumatic happen. She had this little thing on her lip. And they were like, ah, oh, you know, maybe see the dermatologist if it doesn't go away in six months. Didn't go away. They were like, yeah, you know, it's nothing really bad, but we should just cut that out, you know, so cells don't build up. So she was like tra traumatized. She was like, I think she was maybe not even six at the time or six. And they went, we went and they put her, sedated her and they cut it out and it was really a big deal. And then we go back and the doctor goes, ah, you know what? We didn't get it all. And and then we had to do the thing again for this little girl and it it fucked her up and it traumatized her and it was really bad. And um, now going to the dentist is crazy. If she hears that I'm sick or I'm worried, she'll be like, wait, who's going to the doctor? Me or you? She's just, it's a, so that's the one thing that we're dealing with my little girl, but she is getting it. She had a really good experience at the dentist now. So I think it's getting better. Her doctors are cool because they know. Um, and my son is just kind of like my wife where they're just like, they're just kind of like they internalize. Like even when me and my wife would fight when we were dating, I'd be like, what the fuck? And I'd want to get it out on the table now. No, it's, and my wife would just walk away and stupid me wouldn't realize that she was going to, I'd be like, oh, you're walking away now? Now you're going to, and meanwhile, she would just go and process it and then come out and be like, okay, this is what it is. My daughter's more like me, out now. Let's yeah. just get it out on the table. I want it fixed so we could move on. Yeah. And my son and, and wife, not that. My wife my wife won't apologize to save her fucking life. She has <laughs> the hardest time. Yeah. And I, I, I'm, my dad raised me kind of, I wouldn't say it's great. Uh, well, I got into a big fight with my daughter, Georgia. My daughter, Georgia, went to the Glendale Mall or Pasadena Mall, Glendale Mall with her friends, lost her phone, and then calls us from a bus on a, fr a friend's phone. And I, Oh, wow. Yeah, and it was like, hey, Dad, I'm on the bus. I lost my phone. I'm like, wait, what the fuck? And I cursed at her. I was like, what the fuck? What the fuck are you doing on a fucking bus? What the Where's your fucking phone? Baby, this is not fucking acceptable. And they got upset at me. Everyone in my family got upset at me because I cursed at my daughter. And I was like, huh? I was like, yeah. that's how I yeah. that's how I was parented. <laughs> my dad would curse at me. Yeah. And you know, and just tell me you're a fucking idiot. What the fuck? Go to your fucking room. But the I'm I told you that little story to get here, but like I'm very self-correcting. So like because my dad never was wrong in my childhood, 
And I always had to go to my room and figure out why I was wrong right. and then come down and apologize to my dad. Right. I'm really good at apologizing. Almost to a fall, fault. Like, okay. but, and so I taught my wife how to apologize. I was like, listen, we don't have to, we can just find out what you want and then find out what I want and then find a middle ground. Right. Apologize and then we'll both be happy. Yeah. My wife's still. No, I'm the apologizer too. My wife, not so much. Oh, and it's, it trickles to your kids because Isla, George and Isla one time got in a fight in a pool and they're kicking them, each other in the vagina or whatever. Like it was just a fucking <laughs> bad fight. Wow. It was like fucking trying to hurt each other. And I'm like, whoa, pull them out. This is a long time ago. And by the way, this is an above ground pool I'm talking about. Okay. This is when we had the house. We hadn't redone the house. So we're sitting in our yellow kitchen and maybe they're like third grade and first grade, right? Yeah. I, maybe. I, I don't even remember, but young. And I go, I go, you guys are sisters. You guys are teammates. Realize one day mom and I won't be here and it'll just be you two. Yeah, yeah. You need to have each other's backs. You guys need to be a team, a unified front. Georgia, there's only one thing you say to your sister right now. And she looks at me and she goes, Isla, I'm sorry. I love you. And then I go, Isla, there's only one thing you say to your sister. And she goes, Georgia, I accept your apology. <laughs> I go, no, you fucking idiot. Say you're sorry. She goes, I'm not sorry. Yeah. And I said, oh. what do you mean? She goes, I'm not sorry. She started it. I'm not wrong in this, dad. And I'm like, hold on. Oh, wow. Just say you're sorry. <laughs> she one time, Leanne and her got in a fight so bad that I... I talked to Leanne and Leanne's, this is like fucking seven in the morning. I talked to Leanne and Leanne's closet and I go, hey, let's <laughs> let's squash this shit. She goes, no, I'm not squashing this shit. I'm the parent. I'm right. Yeah. She's wrong. Isla <laughs> is standing in our bathroom. Leanne leaves, doesn't say a word to her. Isla comes into the closet and I go, Isla, listen, we got to squash this shit. I need you to go up to your mom, give her a hug and say you're sorry. She goes, dad. If I say I'm sorry, she'll know I'm weak and I lost. And I go, what? Oh, oh my. I'm like, how fucking broken are you? Oh, my God. But that's a strong girl. Fuck. Holy shit. She'll know I'm weak she'll know and I'm I lost. weak and I lost? I, I can't give in. Does she play in. sports? I can't give in, Dad. Does no, she play these? No, no. Oh, my God. Fucking weird that is that's one of the most gangster things I've ever heard. My, my son and daughter go at it too, and I tell my son like she How, looks what up are their to ages? you, man. That's that's the thing. He's ten and she's seven, yeah. And she looks up to him like he's a god. She loves her brother, and he sometimes he finds it annoying. He loves her too, and I told him I was like, listen, you. Uh, and it got to the point where I had to give him a really bad example because one kid in his school like collapsed and had like leukemia and the kid was a bully for a while but then and now the kid's in a wheelchair can't really speak after being this active kid and it got so bad with my son and I'm saying to my wife should I should I go there because he does he's not getting it and like he's hurting his sister's feelings so finally we were just driving I was driving him to basketball camp and I said hey buddy I said just be you know you know why God forbid, I said, what if something ever happened? I said, you remember what happened to your buddy at school? And he's got a brother now that sees him like that. Do you imagine if, God forbid, something like that happened? How would you want somebody to remember? And he, I saw him in the rear view. I did it. I eased the blow, though. I wasn't yeah. like, what if someone's in a fuck? I didn't yeah, do it like yeah, that. Yeah. I just kind of, and I looked in the rear view. And I just, because he's a very smart, sweet kid. He's got empathy. You know, my daughter. I think you're going to say emphysema. <laughs> No, no, yeah, he's, yeah, he smoked cigars at at nine. No, uh, he he, I just saw him take it. I saw him take what I said, and I go, yeah, man, it's because it's for you two forever, and like that's the that's all you got. Because yeah. I said out in the world, 
That's all the fighting. That's all the that's all the fucked up shit out yeah. in the world. I go, your sister and you are gonna be able to. And he kind of took it in, and and I th I think it it is better, but I also think it is a sibling thing too. It's, it's just it's, what it is. Yeah. It's a normal thing. Me and um, my sister got really close in high school. We got yeah. really close, and then we're still my. I'm very close with both my sisters, but my old my older of the two, I've in high school. Now I we're like we'd go to like spin class together. We do a lot. I do. More stuff with her than I do with my wife. They're out here. Yeah, both my sisters live out here. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah, do you live out here? No, no, I live. I'm New York. Yeah, what, how what, how long are you out here for? I'm in West. I'm just out here for a couple of days. I got a meeting and then I'm flying out. I'm you're doing the at Bill's uh, house? Pittsburgh Improv. I was gonna, but I'm um he's he's not out here. No, we, oh, but I guess his wife and kid are. No, they were actually all in New York too for the. Uh, it's funny the <laughs> coincidentally the first major motion picture that I got. Yeah. He was in and it had nothing to do with Bill. So he found out I was in the movie because he's out there. We're doing the um, the Judd Apatow, the Pete Davidson movie. Plane crash. Uh, what's that? <laughs> no. no. <laughs> Sorry, Pete. No, for a second, I was just like, for a second, I was like, train wreck. Yeah, train, train, train crash. Oh, was, I didn't even know what you were meaning. Oh, no, train wreck was. That's I, what I thought you were that's doing. That's what I meant to say, plane wreck. Because that fucking joke missed so hard. Judd oh. Apatow did a movie with Amy Schumer called, called Train, Wreck. Train Wreck. He's doing one with Pete Davidson about Pete Davidson losing his dad in 9-11 oh. in the same vein. And I said, what are they calling it? Plane Wreck? I didn't know what you were doing God when you were it. just like, I thought you were doing a pun off a of train wreck. No, so, yeah, so it's, it's, yeah. it's, um, Pete yes. Yeah, it's a great, it's, it sounds like a great movie. No, it's, it's going to be, um, it's going to be really awesome. And, and I, I, I read for the thing and, oh, this is, you're going to love this. You're going to love this. So Pete's a friend of mine. Yeah. And. I knew that Marissa Tomei and Burr were in it. I knew that a bunch of comedians. Marissa Tomei is fucking amazing. Yeah, yeah. Dude. Yeah. Down the line, Marissa Tomei is fucking amazing. Did you see her in the in the uh, when they did the remake of uh of um yes. Archie Bunker? Yes. I mean, that Edith thing, that Edith Bunker was it was incredible. She is amazing. She's yeah, she's great and she she plays uh, I guess Pete's mom in the movie. Um so a bunch of comedians in New York were trying to read for it. Bunch of comedians in New York trying to audition for it. Did Joey Pete, Gay get in Pete it? Pete said, uh, "I don't think he did." That's a fucking travesty. I, I don't think he did. I don't. I don't know. If, no, I don't <laughs> think he did. But so, so I go. Uh, I go in Pete's. Life. I was like, "Listen, man. I know everyone's asking you a million things." I was like, "If you know," because he said to me, "He's like, I want you to read for a part." I said, "Listen, you got a part for me to read. Great. If not, he yeah. goes, I appreciate that, Paul. He goes, either way, it's Judd's. Judd has to see on on film. So I go there and I, I do the audition and uh, I find out that it, it, I actually got something that I'll tell you off air. I can't say here yeah. because just because of contractual yeah. stuff. But I got this thing that was amazing and uh, Judd liked it. So anyway, I do the movie. But when I'm when I'm about to like when I have to go in for costume and now I've done an independent before and I've yeah. done funnier die sketches. I've done shit like that. But this is the first like Most universal so, my first mo major motion picture. And, um, you know, I'm so costume. So I had to have a mustache. Right. And they like this lady, the makeup and costume people, I guess, like the, the AD and everybody said, just keep calling them. And making sure and keep getting pictures of their mustache. So like, and, and it got to the point keep where like, who? keep calling me about my mustache. Yeah. They needed to make sure. You didn't shave it, did you? Okay, can you just send an updated picture? So I'd literally be sending. You, you, and grew, got, you had and, to grow a mustache. And I wanted to be like, dude, I'm fucking Greek and Italian. Like, it's not a problem at all. Yeah. And they were like, just keep, can you keep sending it? So I'm going down to the West Side, <laughs> going down the West Side Highway and I'm going to Gotham. And uh, I pull up to a light and the costume lady goes, Paul, I don't mean to be a, a bother. And I say, no, you know, it's whatever. And then she asked me again, how's the mustache, this and that. And uh, I, I 
pull up to a light and I'm about to make a left. And I want to, I try to send the emoji of the thumbs up, but my thumb goes down and I just give a big middle finger emoji. And I just got this movie and I'm going, no, wait, sorry. <laughs> and then they said that they were reading it on set and they were crying, laughing. I go, no, seriously, I didn't mean that. Sorry. And it just, middle finger I just and, and it was like, and when you do a single emoji, Eggplant it's, donut. It's, it's, it's huge. <laughs> yeah. So like she was like saying, hey, you know, I'm sorry. How do you feel about us keep asking you? And instead of me doing a thumbs up, it was just a giant middle finger. And I called her. I even yeah. called her in a panic. No, you don't understand. I'm like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna get off this movie before I even make it because I'm gonna be like, this guy's difficult. You yeah. know, we just want to find out about the mustache. And then they ended up laughing about Burger it. Burger mustache too, right? Pretty much like 90% of the cast had to have a mustache. They were just no one had mustaches in 19 in 2001. Uh, it was 2000 and th this takes place a little later. So yeah, okay. I, th I think oh, yeah, I don't, maybe I don't know the script. I, I just I, thought it was all around. I thought everyone played it. I think I want to say like maybe early two thousands. I don't know. It's around on September 11th, right? I think around, I don't know the exact time of it, but okay. there were mustaches. They wanted mustaches for the, yeah. for the definitely for like, you know, some firemen or something. So yeah, that's crazy. You know, yeah, it's, I, 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 I think Pete's great. Oh, he's, you know, dear friend of mine. Great dude. And how long, where did you meet him in the clubs? Yeah, so I remember years ago, you know, when I, you know, first started opening for Bill, I was in, uh, I opened for him at Caroline's, and I remember just seeing this young kid on the side of the stage, and I, I didn't know if, you know, he was like one of those people with that age disorder, yeah, like you know, like you don't know if I didn't know if this fucking kid was forty six or ten, yeah, and he was just sitting there like this big lanky, and um, I saw him at a club once, and he's like, hey man, you know. Love your podcast. I saw what you did with Bill, man. When I was watching you with Bill, I was like, man, that's what I want to do. And he was just this young kid, 16, 17. Yeah. Then he started working at the stand, uh, the old stand location. And I he was on my podcast at 18. And people were like, who'd you, who'd you have on that? Uh, who's that young kid? And I was like, you know, you guys will see. People started talking about him. Nick Cannon put him on. And Nick Cannon started to like. Did he do know, guy code? He did. He did guy code, and he would. And I think yeah. And, and Nick Cannon started kind of introducing and, and, him. And he and uh, Nick's wilding out. I think after he started to be established, he did like Wild and Out for a little bit, but then got on uh, Saturday Night Live. But yeah, so he, you know, Pete's always been a friend, and, yeah. and you know, he's he, him, him and Bill have always been close, and he just kind of stayed. If you close. had to, if you had to give one of them cancer and they die, oh no, I couldn't. <laughs> and you only get to keep one. I'd give it to myself. Myself, I could. <laughs> I couldn't do that. I'm not built like that. That's a tough one. Bill's yeah. Bill's a uh, fan. He really is a fantastic guy. The thing that people don't know about Bill Burr and and people and, people may not know this, but you've been opening for Bill for what like I just stopped. Years? I just stopped. No, I stopped opening for Bill. I stopped opening for Bill years ago because once the special came out and like it was, we had this like epiphany at the same time where I was just kind of and, and I, not in a disrespectful way, yeah. but we were on a rooftop smoking a cigar in Toronto years ago. And he was like, yeah, you know, this is, and I was like, yeah, dude, this is not, this is going to be done. And then in Minnesota, he was just like, I was like, dude, it just, it, I knew, I actually knew it came to a part where I was sitting in a green room and I was just like, he's like, dude, you're just, you know, you're getting headliner laughs. And then the special come out, special did good. And I, I started headlining. All special the was like the most viewed comedy central special special broke a lot of their online like people were like where why can't we see this again it did really well and the nice thing is they're streaming so people still hit me up about it so i'm now i'm touring improvs and i'm, I'm headlining myself doing my own bill has other stuff but he, we made a pack because we're so close he's like even though we don't work together anymore we always go to one college football game a year yeah um this year i think it's going to be clemson last year we went to the big house in michigan
Nation. Can we always do that? And we'll always do like a theater or two a year. But Bill, Bill is my son Lucas's godfather. You know, that's yeah. my Bill's my brother. You know, so um, yeah, it, it, I started. I met Bill in 05, man. I met Bill Thanksgiving weekend of 05. Started working with him probably in like 07, 08. But just when on I, and off. I met you in probably 07. So you, I opened for you at Levity Live. Probably, no, I, I opened for you at Levity Live maybe like 12. Yeah, that sounds right. I think it was actually 2012, Levity Live. Yeah. Um, yeah, in between shows, you jumped on my podcast. And then Roland and Sam Roberts were in the crowd. Yep. And then we went to the yard house for drinks afterwards. You were like, hey, man, I think you should meet these guys. You, were, By the way, you very always just gracious and great, man. Even then, when I just uh -huh. met you that weekend, you were like, yeah, why don't you come on, man? Like, come with us and stuff like that. But I, that was, wow, that was fucking seven years ago, dude. Seems fucking. I mean, it seemed, yeah, it's crazy how just. How... I shaved Roland's back that night. Did you? Yeah, in the bathroom. That's hilarious. That was a really, that fucking, that seems like a lifetime ago. That's the Sam funniest memory like a, to just be like, like you had like a deep thought and then you go, I shaved Rollins back that night. Like it was some. <laughs> it's crazy. I've always invested in people I believe in. Yeah. Meaning like, I like, I go, I, I, I don't know. Like I, this sentence is going to sound super silly, but like I thought Sam Roberts was the funniest fucking guy in the world. The first time I ever heard him on air. Like, the first time I heard him on air, I was yeah. like, this guy's fucking hilarious. Right. Roland's just the sweetest guy in the world. Too he, there's, sweet. There's not... You don't get nicer human beings than Roland. It's, he's, like, too sweet. But, man, I remember and I remember running into Sam and Roland, I think, at the, at the mall that day, going, why don't you come to my show? And, oh. And then hanging out with them that night with you. Yeah. And I... But I've, I thought... I, Sam's an interesting human being and the way i look at things because i go i thought he was funny way i want to say ago. way before anyone like i fucking i was just telling someone last night i ran we ran into miss pat and i you know miss pat yes and so we were at a birthday party with miss pat and leanne said uh you know she owes a lot to ari i went what she goes yeah ari discovered her i go god damn it i go she did my podcast Way before she did Ari's podcast, yeah. he just released it first. Yeah. I go, I, Ari called me and said, what's up with this Miss Pat chick? And I was like, oh, she's great. Now, she owes a lot to Ari. And I shouldn't owe anything to anyone. Miss Pat's right. fucking hilarious. But like, right. Ari definitely was a champion of Miss Pat. Like, yeah. he went, he like hit up everyone. Like, you got to have her on her podcast. Like, Ari's great about that. Ari is, Ari really is one of the. There's like a few fucking just solid dudes yeah. in Hollywood. Yeah. Rogan, Burr, Ari, yeah. uh, Joey. I mean, they're, they're like just like they say what they mean. They're real. Yeah. Yeah, they're just real and they're good, they're good people and stuff. And you know what's funny is like a lot of comedians. Did you have anybody see you? Like, were you did you who was the guy that saw you and goes, Yo, dude, you're fuck, you're a... You know, yeah, you're Jay just, Moore. You're just, yeah. Jay Moore was that guy. He was like, he was like, you're fucking hilarious. You need to be put on more. He got me on Jimmy Kimmel. He took me on tour with him. He was like, he was, and we were, we were really close. I don't think, I think ultimately, if you know, not to, I would never trash anybody. I'm not going to talk shit, but I think ultimately it was at, at times it was, it was a tad bit unhealthy. And I think it was maybe from his, view when he wanted it to be it was a business relationship 
and less of a friendship. And then when he, and other times it was more of a friendship than a business relationship. Right. And so I think it was confusing to me at times of sure. like how we were going to interact because certain times you could say whatever you wanted. And then certain times you'd say that and it, he would, it would not be received well. And so, yeah. And then, and then, and obviously we, you know, we had a, we had a, an ultimate falling out because it was just a very confusing relationship. But I have to say that he definitely helped you. He de- Oh, I mean, he took me on tour with him. I don't know how long me and Tom Segura we were his guys. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, if you talk to a lot of comedians, everybody's got like that guy, like the, the, the problem is, the problem is what Bill said to you. I don't think, I don't think was said with me and Jay. I, and by the way, I've never talked about this shit, but, uh, but like, Bill was like, you got to stop featuring. You need to be headlining. You, need, it's, you can't ever be someone else's guy. You got to be your own man. And we've talked about that. That's like the number one thing. Yeah. If you're a young comic and you're like, dude, I just wish I could open for Rogan or I could yeah. open for Joey or I could open for Bert or I could open for Tom. That's great. But you got to get out of there. You got to literally, it's like cocaine, man. Yeah. You got to try it a little bit and then get the fuck out. You know, that's a great, and the thing is, a lot of people thought I was Bill's opener always. I wasn't. He's here. Yeah. He was here. So he had a bunch of, you know, Dean Del Rey and Joe Bartnick yep. and this one and that one. But he always made sure during the year we did some together. But then it got to the point where it was just like, and I, it was weird. Like, I felt it. And I didn't want to as much. It wasn't like we didn't hurt each other's feelings. We both looked at each other and he knew what I was thinking and I knew what he was thinking. And it was just like, yeah, man, you know, this is cool. But like me sitting in the green room getting ready to do 15, 20. 20, you know, and then bringing you up. It's, it's, these are your fans, you know, and, and this is, and it just got to that point, but he knew, and, and I would like headline my own too. And then once it got to the point where it was just like, this isn't, this isn't what it is, but you're right. You can't be that guy. You can't have a life like that, a career like that. Joe you know? was, Joe was very instrumental in, um, in like, I think a lot of people's careers of going like, I'll take you out and let you get some great stage time, but it's gotta be all about you. You gotta, you you need to be the headliner. And he, I mean, I, he, I mean, I, launched careers. I mean, Joe launched careers. Like yeah, yeah, Joey, oh yeah. Tommy, Ari, all his openers, Tony Hinchcliffe, fucking Ian Edwards. I mean, Joe has been, and, and what, what's great about what Joe does is he goes and gets young kids at the store that maybe have never really traveled even. Yeah. And brings them with them. You know, but Bill did something really different, good for me. And at first, I didn't know why. So I'd, I'd open for him in like 07, 08, and he would go. He would go, um, hey, man, nice job. He would text me, nice job this weekend, right? A couple years, it was like, nice job this weekend. You got, you know, you did your job. Great job. But then like in like 10, probably like 2010, 2011, he goes, hey, dude, that bit, you're set. So he went from going like, good job to your set. And then once it got to like 12, 13, 2013, he goes, dude, what you're doing right now is a beautiful thing to see. I love what you're doing. You really turned a corner. So Bill never gave me false hope. Like, yeah, you did the job. You got them ready for me. But then it was like, then he started to really hone in on my act. Then he started to hone in on jokes. Then I got off stage in Ottawa, Canada. And he goes, dude, 
And he just basically said some words to me that I'll never forget in my life. And it was like, I could retire now. And then he was like, dude, I'll, I'll, I'll be a part of your special. And like, that's when everything, he wasn't like, I wasn't some young guy where he was going like, and he said, the worst thing you could do is give a guy false hope. You could say, hey man, where you're going to be. He used to say that. He'd be like, I'm telling you where you're going to be. But once the material started to develop and I started to get personal and he saw something, that was when he sat down with me and was like, dude. And then he said things that he wouldn't say. And he was like, I wouldn't, he wouldn't tell me that before. Because why would he? Yeah. You know, you, you want to, he, he wanted me to take the path of, to get it. Yeah. Sadly, it I'm so the opposite. I just want people to talk about me. <laughs> like if you're my opener, I'm like, hey, what did you think of my set? <laughs> That's how narcissistic. Hey, nice job. So anyway, did you notice my, yeah. I, I mean, I get, I, I it's funny because <laughs> I think a lot of the guys that I work with that I tour with right now are all doing their own things. They're all blowing up and doing their own things. Yeah. And it's I'm so selfish. I'm like, hey, can you not focus on your career and focus on mine? That's so fun. Yeah. Like, I mean, kind of need like I toured with Norman, Mark Norman. I I hit up. Uh, I was going to Australia and I needed I wanted someone to open for me. And so I was going to fly someone out and right. I was I was staying extra long. So I was like, it'll be fun to be with somebody. Yeah. Yeah. And I hit up fucking everyone. I fucking hit up everyone. And everyone's like, yeah, sorry, man. I'm doing my own thing now. And I was like, what the fuck? Yeah. I was like, good. Why, why would you? What, is, what, is, what about it? But, it, but I, you know, it's so, it's so funny is when I first started the business touring, I really believed in um, helping local comedy, like doing, bringing in the opener that their, their feature, their host, and not bringing anyone with me, like at clubs. Cause I was like, you got to foster local comics, like local comics are and I'm I mean I made a bunch of great friends by meeting local head local features. Yeah. And and you know, the features that work that tour for the funny bones and the improvs, those guys that are features that are getting work. I mean you get you get some that are fucking idiots. Like I had fucking idiots. Yeah. I had people to this day I hate <laughs> that I, I had to spend a fucking weekend with. Oh yeah. But then you meet some dudes like uh that you want to help. Eric Myers, fucking hilarious. Uh uh fucking Jay Snyder. Like there so guys that like Jay Snyder's like I haven't talked to him in a while, but like was a legit friend of mine. Yeah. Like he spent the night here. Like I met him. He was just so goddamn funny. Yeah. Like he was so fucking funny. He still is funny, but I mean, I haven't seen him in a while. Uh he went through a divorce. I don't know what he's doing. Uh, he lives in. He's. Do you know Jay Snyder? I heard the name. No, he's I don't. So fucking funny. But he was like, it was the things. What made me laugh about him was not what he was doing on stage per se. Yeah. But being off stage, he had such a unique fucking life. He was a twin, right? He, and the, him and his brother gotten so much fucking identical, trouble, identical twin. Uh -huh. And him and his brother grew up in like a very very fucking white trash redneck. Like they got arrested their whole fucking lives. They got arrested so much. That one time, one of them <laughs> had had warrants on him, right? And was like, "Well, shit, I gotta go in. I, 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 I got so many warrants on me. Yeah, I can't. I'm gonna turn myself in as my brother. <laughs> I'm, I'm not even joking. Jay, I think Jay wanted to turn himself in as his brother, and so what he did was he got his brother's tattoo. Wow, he got drunk and got his brother's tattoo on his arm." And then went into the prison to turn himself in as his brother, but was so drunk, turned himself in as himself, uh. woke up 
in jail the next day next to his brother and he goes i turned myself i tried to turn myself in as you last night they're there it was they were the most he got into a fist this is one of my favorite he got into a fist fight one time yeah he was selling drugs to these guys he had a kid him and he had a kid and he was selling like fucking coke or, or speed or meth to someone wow and the guy Jesus. decides to rob him and yeah. beats him up but can't open the childproof door no <laughs> So he's stuck in the. I mean, uh, his stories were so fucking great oh that you were like, God. you were like, I wish you could get out of just telling jokes. I, I mean, it's the yeah. hardest thing to do. Yeah. It took me fucking, literally, it took me Rogan going stop and just tell that story. Yeah, and it took me fifteen years to get there. Yeah, yeah. His stories were so fucking hilarious. Where you're like, and the things like he, like just naturally, he didn't call it. He called it cocaine. That's how you. He'd say oh, it. So he was like from the. Is he he's like a southern dude? Yeah, he's southern. He's southern as fuck. Oh, hell, hell yeah. Cocaine. God, I got a whole little cocaine. If you want to <laughs> party, I don't. You know, I don't. I don't mind partying. Oh, I met him. Uh, he was sober, and uh, then he parted, started partying again. Oh, geez. he's a fuck. But yeah, but you would find guys like that on the road that I would just sit mesmerized and go yeah. like, tell me more stories. I was, Dave Williamson, one another one of my openers. Um, I was with him yesterday at the birthday party with Miss Pat. He told me the funniest goddamn story the first time I met him in Louisville about having to put having this his dog. It, it, I, I was crying, laughing so hard. <laughs> but that's what I was always like. You got to foster local talent because it's so important. I remember when Bill said, "Hey man, you want to work with me at the you know the DC Improv?" And I like going up to somebody like you know now that I'm doing improvs and funny bones and stuff. I like going up to somebody that I really go, this guy. Or woman, fucking funny, and they need a shot. They need to feature. They need to make that money and feel what it's like to be in front of. And I really want to do that for somebody that I think is, you know. And and I find a few few are annoying. A few. You I, you get you know what it was, uh, local big dicks. Yes, that's what it, it's a local comic who's like thinks they're the shit or they deserve it. And isn't it funny how everybody who's not insecure. Everybody who's not vulnerable, everybody who walks off stage like I'm the shit, isn't. Yeah. Is not. But then it's the guys who are like, was that all right? What did you think of that? Those are the people that are funny, man. Dude, there's, I, I can tell you, so many people I truly enjoy that I met on the road where you, like, I don't listen a ton. Obviously, people who know this podcast know that I like talking also. Yeah. But like, I, the, I just remember so many, I worked with this guy, Travel Char, Travis Charles, and he was going through some stuff. He was being so honest, right? We mm -hmm. were in Richmond. He was going through some stuff with this other guy who was like comedy beef. This one guy was running the scene or the open mic, and he had blackballed Travis, and Travis was trying, and I was trying to help talk through it with him, but I was just listening. Yeah. And I'm like, well, I don't know, man. <laughs> just, <laughs> do you ask your dad? Like, you know, maybe you talk to your dad about this? And he's like, yeah, I don't know if I can really... My dad's not that kind of dad. And I went, really? And he goes, yeah. He goes, what did your dad say? He goes, my dad said I should stab him. <laughs> and I, Jesus. I was like, oh, my oh, God. Jesus. But like certain, <laughs> I, 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 I got to be honest with you. I mean, wow. I worked with this guy, Eric Myers. Eric Myers is a accidental legend. He does not want this legend, but he is an accidental legend. He has probably the most prolific drinking problem i've ever seen in any does human this guy do a taco bell joke 
I'm about drive. It sounds like a woman, and he pulls into the drive-thru. I don't know. But I, does he have a fun, like a funny voice? Yeah, ha, ha. yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, dude. The story. Does he look like? Yeah, I'm trying to think. He's first of all, he's fucking hilarious. I'm gonna preface yeah. it with that. I've wanted to get him on my podcast. Yeah. I don't know how comfortable he is talking about his drinking. He has to be aware at this point that people have told stories about his drinking. It's bad. Like it's. It's you know what I'm I'm a big drinker and I don't think anyone should quit drinking. He should never drink ever again in his life. Oh, because ever yeah, I okay. would hope that he would be, but he was like, he is. I worked with him with Louis C.K. and we stayed in a condo together, and he was sober at the time. <laughs> and he, it was like he was. I was watching him experience life for the first. I just had a kid. Yeah, but he was so young. He was like, yeah, I'm drinking. I'm, I don't drink anymore. And I was like, yeah. And he's like, yeah. They gave me these. These uh, pills, they say take them every four hours. Like, what are they? And he's like, Xanax. I was like, you're taking Xanax every four hours? <laughs> he's like, yeah. He was so high wow. strung, you couldn't even tell. Wow. And then he was like, and then I was, I, at some point, I think we were talking about, I, we were talking about how you should record your sets. And he was like, yeah, yeah, I should record my sets, huh? So then Sunday, <laughs> Sunday, he's got a full fucking film equipment. Oh. And I go, where did you get that from? And he was like, oh, how crazy is this? <laughs> I, get a, I get a credit card. He just fucking put it on a credit card. You don't even have to pay for it. And I was like, oh, my, oh God. my God. He was so, he was, Louis C.K., by the way. Yeah. Thought this, I, I, I don't know if Eric ever knew this, but watched every one of his sets and thought he was genius. Louis C.K. sat in the back, wow. mesmerized by him. He yeah. was so fucking funny. But like, if you don't, if you don't, if you always like, that's what sucks about. I'm not gonna name names, but like certain comics who believe they're a little bigger than they are, and they take their team with them on the road. Yeah, and you're just doing a funny bone for the weekend, and you're only getting three thousand dollars, six thousand dollars, and you got a fucking posse with you of like your opener. That's crazy. You, you're missing out on what comedy is, and yeah. comedy is is meeting like-minded individuals who can't get offended who yes. you're gonna fucking party with yes and have a great fucking time it's so much fun yeah to share a condo with someone you know nothing about and by sunday all you know is that you both have a sense of humor and you're both funny and you're pissing yourself and you bonded dude yeah, it's you... I, some of my closest friends in this business tommy tommy i, I didn't i didn't know tommy for shit yeah my best friend i met we we were in I I'll fucking this is my this is a perfect way to meet a, a best friend. We're in Brea. I'm touring with Jay. Tom gets the job through the improv as the host, right? He's hosting. I'm featuring. Tom is uh, chunky at the time. Okay, no beard, just a little chunky. Sitting, eating chicken. Wings. What year is this? Would this you say? is two. It's got to be two thousand. 2004 okay 2003 oh, okay uh tom's sitting in the green room in brea eating chicken wings watching the florida state game All so right. i walk in and i go hey he goes hey i'm tom i said i'm bert i said florida state and he goes oh huge fan i go i went to florida state and he goes you did i said yeah are you from florida he goes yeah west palm i said i'm from tampa and he goes shut up i said dude i'm a huge florida state fan he goes fuck <laughs> yeah so i sit down jay walks in he goes the fuck is this and I go, it's the Florida State game. He goes, turn it. And Tom goes, I actually, I got money on the game. And it, Jay goes, you got money on this game? He goes, yeah, I got 100 bucks. Jay goes, 
you got a hundred bucks on this game and you're the fucking host, you're making fifty bucks a night, you're a fucking moron and walks out. I look at Tom, I go, wow. I go, hey man, welcome to the tour. <laughs> <laughs> that was Jay just fucking with him though, right? Or, or, no, or no, oh, that no, was Jay. That was, Jay oh, okay. I think Jay would admit I, I haven't spoken to Jay in a long time. We're not we don't we don't talk or anything. Right. But I think Jay would admit at times at times in his youth he could be difficult. Okay. <laughs> You're a fucking idiot. Get the um, oh wow. He was yeah, like it, it was. It, but it was so funny. I looked at Tom. I was like, "Welcome to the tour." And then <laughs> Tom and I hung out that weekend. And I was like, "I was like, hey man, you know, if you ever want to do spots, if you ever want to yeah. come with me on the road, you can." I headline, and so I took him to Sacramento and watched him eat dick all weekend. It was the yeah. fuck. I've never seen someone bomb harder. Wow. Oh. Well, <laughs> I see. I could just see your face, just reminiscing, sitting in the back watching that he had at the time he had hair and it was combed it oh, was combed back and I, i'll never forget he started bombing and it, as he did his he started sweating and oh, his hair started so falling <laughs> and he, at one point he had one fin of hair one fin like a shark oh. standing up and the audiences watch this is when you oh, you understand God. as people that are, like bombing is such an art form to watch yeah that there's so many it really slows down time and space it, <laughs> and things that you think wouldn't count count so much uh, and the audience watched as that fin fell that lin, little thin strip of, strip of hair fell to the side the audience uh, watched and i heard them go oh Oh my God, dude. Bombing is one of the, cause it, it, when you say it stops time, it's, but you notice now, right? Like now, cause nobody, no matter what level you get to, yeah. no matter what level you get to, I remember Burr saying something like, ah, yeah, dude, I, now you could bomb, you could bomb. It doesn't matter what, where you get to, you could do a joke that falls flat. The nice thing is when you have experience and you bomb, you could either, you're comfortable either addressing it or just going, okay, you didn't like that? Well, now you're not, you almost get defiant. Yeah. But when you're coming up, oh. when you're coming up and the room dies, you feel like you're having a slow, painful, things, you notice how in your mind things get quiet? Things get, are even more quiet than the room in your mind and you're going, oh my God, dude, they know, they know. And in your mind, the funniest thing is you're going, everybody in here knows I'm dying. And then you need to, and you need to, and it's a scary, lonely, dark place, man. And that's why at least now when I bomb, I've gotten enough chops where I could just go like either address it or just go get a little defiant. But I remember those days, dude. You know what's how funny the, is it when somebody's bombing the worst, and then they what's go. What's the worst you ever bombed? Oh man, I, I told a story once before. I'll tell you, this is, this is, this is, it's out of a movie. It's actually out of a fucking movie. Somebody hits me up and goes, Verzi, I used to do this once, once a year, um, fundraiser or, or or event at a, at at a Sleepy Hollow Country a country club. Sleepy Hollow Country Club is a beautiful golf course in Westchester and they did something called the Headless Horseman Award every year. All one percenters, okay? The lowest amount of money in this room is probably 10 to 15 million in the bank and that guy is looked at as a as a piece of shit. Yeah. That's the level of money, okay? So all of these rich guys, they go, they play around a golf they shower, they change, cigars get handed out, people are shaving beef, people are giving out shrimp. I mean, there's ice sculptures and they have a whole team of just people working for them. And then in the back, there's a big stage and white chairs on a lawn like a movie. It's basically like a movie where somebody's gonna give a commencement speech, right? Yeah. So he goes, hey, you wanna run down here and uh, 
they'll give you two grand. You go up. You could make fun of the the guy who's winning the award this year, right? The oh. guy, the guy who's winning the award, the headless horseman. He's gonna be right at the front with his brother and father and father-in-law and all these people. You could mess with him. They like a little roasting, right? So I go, Jason Lawhead was in town at the time. And I go, hey, man, you want to go up and just do like, and they were like, yeah, you could print. So, you know, they were giving like Jason like a thousand, me 2000. And we're just going to go and do this thing. We get there and it's all dudes and it's, it's fucking the testosterone, you know, and you could tell like, you don't even know the shitty golfers act like they're, yeah. you know, hey, how you doing? Who's, who's doing this show? Like it was one of those yeah. things. Right. And they're carved and then they go and there's like a gourmet. It was nuts. And. Jason goes up and I'm waiting and we get the checks and I got the two grand in my back pocket. Right? And Jason goes up and he just starts. And I go, Hey man, the one thing I'm just going to talk about the race. Okay. Like the one thing I'm going to do is I'm just going to talk about how like, there's really like the only, honestly, like the only black people or minorities in there were like either working like this was yeah. as white rich as it could get. So I go, I'm going to do the race thing. So Jason goes up and it's so intimidating. He said something like, man, the only black thing in here are the Blazers. He does something like that, yeah. right? So then he starts saying this and he starts saying that and he's killing now and I'm waiting and he's fucking leveling. And he's like, all right, guys, I'm going to head. And they're going, one more joke. Then he does another joke and kills, right? So fine. He's like, they don't want him to get off. He gets off. They bring me up. And I was, and I just remember going up there and being like, hey, keep it going for Jason. You know, wasn't he great? And I said something like, if you guys knew what he had in his checking account, he wouldn't be allowed in the premises. And they didn't like that because they liked him. Yeah. They liked him. So I'm already behind the eight ball. And I'm just going like, I'm just, I, I just start going and I'm, and it's just starting to go bad. And I start talking about, hey, how was the golfing? Who did, who's the guy that fuck, who's the cheater that, you know, hits it in the woods and tries to, and they're just kind of, they're all just looking at me. So then I go, all right, just go to the roast, roast the guy who won the award, right? Listen to this, Bert. They told me his wife's name was Lindsay, right? Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> This is already so fucking bad. I love oh. how you, I, dude. You, you're I know where this is. Dude, I know you're bringing me. You're scaring me. Your 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 reaction, the way you just go, oh my god, and looked away for the mic, got me nervous. Like yeah. I'm still doing it. And I go, yeah, keep it going for so and so. I go, uh, and I go, yeah, this guy's got his hands. What did I say? This guy's got his hands on a lot of paper and plastic because he's a millionaire. And I go, but when I mean plastic, I mean his wife Lindsay's fake tits. And all of a sudden, you just hear people go, whoa, whoa, <laughs> like. And I'm going, <laughs> whoa, Bert, whoa, whoa, Bert, easy. Bert, Bert, yeah, Bert, I'm sitting there and now jokes are dying. I'm trying to do this. I'm trying to do that. They're just staring at me. Oh my and then God. here's when it really goes. Here's where it really goes. I started making fun of New Jersey Governor Chris Christie, right? And I go, and he's, you know, he's, and I go, yeah, this guy. And I start talking about how he's going to balance a budget, but his diet. And all of a sudden I go, this, if you can't, I start calling him a fat fuck or something. And one guy, and, and they're just looking and Lawhead's in the back. And right as I start shitting on Chris Christie and called him a fat fuck, this guy leans over to Lawhead in the back and he goes, yeah, we just threw him a $3,000 a plate fundraiser last, last week in South Carolina or something. So like they all were supporters. Of Chris so Christie. now of Chris Christie. So I'm calling him a fat fuck. He can't balance his diet. How's he going to balance a budget? All this shit. I'm just doing oh all this stuff. God. And it is, and they're just looking at me and it was so bad. I'm sweating up there. I'm getting nothing. It was as if a director of a comedy goes, yeah. all right, guys, everybody in the audience, I want you to stare at him angrily. Okay. I want everybody, nobody laughs. And in fact, I want some people to stare. And then one old man towards the end just goes, all right, 
all right, while I'm on, so he was like a set. He just couldn't handle that I was going. That's enough. And I go, and I was like, and and then and then I got to fight. I go, no, no. And then I did, I did a couple more. I left. I literally, Bert, when I tell you, thank God the check was in my back pocket. I had two grand in my back pocket. I walked literally stage left off the stage, opened the door in the parking lot and just sat in my car. And Lawhead's going, where are you? Where are you? And I just go, I'm in the car. Wow. And he gets in the car. He just, and he did that thing where like, you know, when a friend tries to lift you up, but there's really nothing you could say. Yeah. And he just goes, hey, dude, listen, you're a great comedian. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> and I was just like, that one will burn in my brain. That one will stick. It was literally like a movie, man. It was just nothing I did worked. Uh, things that I did, maybe I was going to touch on that Jason might. They just loved him. It was brutal. It was absolutely yeah. brutal. Man. Oh, those are those are um, they're 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 defining moments in your career. Like you need if you don't have those, yeah, then. Uh, you, you, I, you're not a comedian if you're not like everyone everyone has had them i agree with you. if you don't have that feeling of like oh my god if you're a comedian you go i don't bomb yeah you're like well i don't think you do comedy then yeah you, you're doing something that isn't taking chances you're doing i mean if you're not i mean i have times where i woke up the next day and was like I don't, like, I remember bombing so hard right before I shot this last special yeah. with a joke that's in the special. It yeah. bombed so bad. Yeah. And like agents were in the room and like comics were in the room. And I was like, I woke up the next day going, who am I kidding? I'm not ready to shoot a special. Yeah. I suck. Oh, uh, isn't it amazing? Isn't it amazing? And you're a guy that's super funny, doing great specials, and then you go in ready to shoot another special going, am I even ready for this? That's the beautiful thing about comedy, though. Comedy always keeps us honest. Comedy always keeps us going like, yeah, like I remember when, when I'll Say This came out on Comedy Central, when it came out and it did well, I went into the comedy club and I saw younger comedians come in and watch. And I'm like, I'm not going to do things for the special. Because yeah. because it's a special just aired. And I, yeah. I toured with that. I know it works. So I would go up there and take chances. And I, things weren't going well right after the special. Because it took me, Bert, I'm not going to lie, it took me about four months. That's to what, no one understands that. Like, if if I, my special just comes out and you see me at the store, I'm not going to be doing well. It, I have nothing to say. Yeah. And, and we're still, and then watching comedians slowly just trickle out after they watch for five minutes. Because now they're like, you know, and then once it gets good, they're like, oh, that was really funny. But, you know, yeah, I agree with you. I think that you can't not bomb. If you're not bombing, you're either pandering or you're just staying safe. And if you're yeah. just, I drive an hour from the, I live up in the country, dude. Yeah. I live up in the fucking woods. When you pull up to my house, there's, I'm not even kidding. We, we hand, I fucking hand fed a deer, a box of graham crackers, a box. Like she just petting this deer yeah. behind her ear. Like that's where I live. And I'm not going to drive from that to the city to be safe. I used to when I first was in the city because now you're in New York City and like, you better be funny. Yeah. But now it's like, now that luckily I've established myself in some of the bigger clubs, I'm like, I'm going to come down here and if I eat it, and, and the bookers are cool. Yeah. See, that's the other thing. Like, let's talk about that for a second. A booker and an owner like Patrick at the stand, uh, they'll laugh if you bomb. Like, they'll watch you and they'll be like, hey, this is one of our guys and he just ate a dick because he tried to joke and they're laughing because yeah. they know what you're doing. That's good for comedy. That's what a booker and an owner should do because they know and trust. They know on a Saturday night you're going to bring 
it's Saturday night. You know, yeah. it's like you're still going to give them a good show, but they'll watch, you know, if they are watching, they'll see some of the new stuff. Be like, oh, man, this dude's trying to grow. And they encourage that. That's what it oh, really hell yeah. is. That's yeah. Same, with the, same with the store. It's like, oh, you're never going to lose spots because you bomb. Like ever. That's the point. The, the, you know, exactly. You, you got to fuck. There's no, there's no, I mean, it's. It, Bill fucking started it. Uh, Bill and Louis started it about turning over material. Like, you know, people weren't doing that. I did not do that for like 10 years. I had the same act. Right. I, that comfortably dumb special. I, that set was so fucking destructive in the clubs. Name. It was such a great. And then I was like, cool, I'm done. Is 2009. That, is that your set list? That was my set list. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. That's a great poster. It looks like the fucking. It looks like a set list for a fucking alt-right speaker now. Like, you look at it, and you're like, Jesus you know, Christ. I still have that. In my, I still have those in my back pocket. Still to this day, that's my security blanket. Oh, I, oh, I bring I will. And, and you, ever, you ever have the, 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 the set list or the paper in your pocket, and you never take it out? You know what I did for that secret time? Yeah. Um, I think, no, no, it wasn't, it wasn't secret time. I didn't do it for secret time. I did it for the machine. Yeah. I wrote my set list on the stool in, uh, in, in paint pen. I bought my own stool, and I put my set list on the stool and paint pen. And it was up there. So that I, if I needed it, I could go to it. Well, I didn't need it. And you never went to it. Never went to it. Yeah. But I knew that. But it was once, there. Yeah. And so then on Secret Time, I bought my own stool, and I was like, I'm I, this. There was I only had I didn't have that many jokes in it. I mean, I, mean, I did, but like, it, for me, there was only like I call them tent poles, you know. But like, I only had three tent poles in it, so yeah. I just had to get from one to the next to the next. So I was like, I don't really need it. And my daughter's got a paint pen and wrote, uh, I love you, daddy, on my oh. stool. And I went, oh, oh they did man. it at the truck. And oh. so, yeah. And so, um, yeah, I, 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 I've stopped. I've, my joke book is so fucking messy. Yeah. That, no, like, I'm like, but I'm, I'm right now I'm, I'm getting ready to shoot a special in November. So right now I'm writing a lot. Like I'm trying to, I've already got the hour, but I need to fill it. I need it to be full of teeth like it's got to be yeah. like it's got to be real toothy like i wanted everything to be that's where i'm at like right now i think my next one i want to shoot it early 2020 you know because it's been two years my special didn't come out didn't get released for like a year from when i shot it real uh comedy central yeah it took a long time scheduling other things other shows that they had um but yeah i want to shoot the next one and i i have about like it's funny i built it i'm about 50 that i love so by by you know march february march it'll be it'll be ready to go but i know what you mean it's like no just just getting all of the reps in where you're like oh i could add that in yeah. i could add that lou i heard the story louis a week before he shot his last special a week before he was doing a show and like added a couple of lines that killed I was like, oh, I'm putting that in next week. Like it was just like right there. That oh, happens. Yeah. So it's just. It, oh, oh it, I'm it, that way. Just, yeah. Well, what what happens to me is, <clears throat> I'm sure anyone gives a fuck about how we create specials. But anyway, yeah. I will say, for anyone who's a comedian listening, what I do is I I can very quickly recognize my lazy writing. So, but but I I need to watch uh. it. So I I'll shoot my sets. This starting in September, I'll shoot San Francisco. I'll then chop it up into clips. Uh, on video that I will kind of take and I'll work that clip. I'll, I'll work bit by bit and I'll find lazy writing. Like I, I had a joke about jumping out of a plane with Rachel Ray and I, very easily I could see where my writing was lacking. Got it. And I was like, oh. 
That's good that you do that, though. That's good that you don't just, because a lot of guys will just throw it in. A lot of guys will just, ah, fuck it, just throw it in. You know, yeah. my fans know me. No, yeah. it's like you got to, that's a good thing because it's going to show that you're always trying to, how crazy is that, that like Richard Pryor, right? After like his second one was just like, ah, it's not good enough. I got to get better. Think about that. Yeah. How crazy, like it's never getting, but that's good that you're not, you know, you're not, are you doing it for Netflix? Yeah. Nice, man. November 23rd. That's when you shoot it? Shoot it. Where are you shooting it? Cleveland. Oh, okay. Yeah, I wanna I wanna I wanna record four shows. Chappelle did nine shows. Wow. He recorded nine shows. Not to say that he's not the greatest. He right. is. Right. But, but if you record nine shows, that's you're gonna have it. <laughs> I actually what did I, you do? One? My I'm dying. I no, for mine I did two. Yeah, I did two. I did eight and a ten. And I, I pretty much got, I pretty much, they told me, oh, the 10 will just be filler. You got it on the eight. I was not happy with the eight. I was not happy. That's why I wanted to do four. I was not happy. That's why I wanted to do four because I did two last time. And trust me when I say, that first show sucked dick. That And I was murdering <laughs> all week. I did six shows yeah. at the truck. I did two Thursday, two Friday, murdered, murdered. And then I did the first show and it just didn't go right. I, people like I had friends there going, I'm going to be honest with you. That was really good, but I know what you can do. And then I, my agent, you did it. You did it. I'm going, no, I didn't. No, I didn't. Dude. It's an agent's I know, job, though. I know. I know when I really, but I was, I was, it freaked me out though, Bert. Cause I first came out eight o'clock first time, you know, um, and Pete Davidson and Bill Burr came out on stage to talk about me first. And I walk out there and I think it's going to be a theater, a regular theater show. I did it at the Terrytown Music Hall. And it's, you know, for a special, it's more lit. So like I'm like seeing people on the balcony and it didn't feel like a it felt like a studio audience instead of a theater show. Yeah. So I was just into that second show. I just chip on my shoulder. I go, okay, now I know what to expect. And and I think we got the majority. We got some we got some candid shots from from the first one, yeah. a couple of jokes, a couple of things like that. But mainly it was my second one because I just knew I kind of like got my bearings in a gen. It's amazing. Used, Same material. We used every second of the second show. Nothing from the first. Not one. The only thing we used from the first show was me throwing my shirt to my cousin. My cousin happened to be in the audience. I didn't know that. Yeah. I ripped my shirt off. I go to throw it in the thing and I threw it and my cousin caught it. Yeah. And it caught me off guard. I go, what the fuck? And he was like, hey. Yeah. We didn't use one fucking thing from the first show. That second show, beginning to end, was one of the best sets I've ever had in my life. I want to retire. I wanted to retire after that yeah. going, it's not going to be better than that. That's yeah. the best I can do. That that's how that's honestly how I felt when I I did the round with Burr at the TD Garden in Boston and Madison Square Garden. But Madison Square Garden is my home. I heard and you fucking destroyed in Madison Square Garden. Um, I'm not gonna lie to you. People that I don't know in industry go, dude, man, that Madison Square Garden show. That was one of those where it's like if I, I was just in town. I was in town that weekend. That I was in. It was. I think it was the New York Comedy Festival. It was. Yeah, and uh, I was in town doing town hall oh okay and i got done and we went to the comedy central party and they're like bro Bur people were like burr's show at madison square garden one of the best shows i've ever seen in my life and i went what and they go verzi fucking murder dude it was like i got a publicist i got like the best publicist in comedy because of it like and it was funny quest love and chris rock were there and uh i heard that somebody overheard chris talking about me killing 
But it was just one of those things where I was so nervous. You know, I did the garden with him years ago, but now it was like five days after my special got released. I was just a better comic. I had, you know, things were just tight, but I was nervous. And I was like nervous to the point where like defensive nervous. And then that turned into, okay, like it was almost like I'm going into a fight and I'm willing to die. Yeah. And then once I just felt the love from them and I did the first couple of jokes, I just, but it was one of those things where you just feel like, oh, you know, thank, like that was, I, and Burr, and, and having Burr just be like, dude, that was nuts. But let me ask you something. This is a kind of a crazy question. And think about it though for a second. What do you, because you're, you're, you're a positive guy and you're a family guy. I feel like we're the same that way. What do you ultimately want at the end of this? Seriously, though, because people we don't ask ourselves that. And I always think about that, especially somebody that I know, somebody that I like. What do you ultimately, because I was talking to my buddy Giannis about it. Giannis is a dear friend of mine. And I was like, what Giannis do you, is what is ultimate? Oh, he's great. What do you ultimately like? And, I, and you know, there was just, can I answer mine? Can I answer please. it first? Yeah, please. So something happened tragic this week. Um, you know, David Kimowitz, rest mm -hmm. his soul, was yeah. my manager for almost five years. And then uh, we didn't have a phone. Tell, tell everyone what happened. Cause I, so I know some, we all know about it, but okay. they may not. Okay. So people listening, um, David Kimowitz, who was a comedy manager, my comedy manager for almost five years. Um, and uh, one of the four owners of the stand in New York City. And it should be noted that the owners of the stand are old school comedy fans. Like comedy fans from when they were children. Got into it because they wanted to like bring back what they liked and they don't, there's no agenda. There was no, oh, well, alternative shit is in now. So let's go get alternative people or, oh, this isn't. They were just like, I don't care about your age. I don't care about that guy or that woman is fucking funny. Patrick ran Cringe Humor. Patrick ran a, a website called Cringe Humor, which was basically. You, you don't understand. Yeah. I, I, I need to be very clear on this so that everyone. Yeah. Cringe Humor was almost the Bible of who was good and who was not. It was so brutally honest. It was where so brutally fucking honest. It was, it was he, I think I'm, I'm probably accurate in saying Patrick was an ONA fan. I'm guessing. Huge. Yeah, huge ONA fan. A huge, actually, it actually started because of Jim Norton. So Patrick was the hugest Jim Norton fan. He would go see Jim. He would do this. And then what he started was this website called Cringe Humor, how he liked guys that were just real, brutally honest, maybe dark and uncomfortable, but real, you know, and that was his type of thing. And he and also he, took joy in shitting on people he didn't like. <laughs> he took joy in a blog about somebody he might have thought was shitty or a hack. Like that's, Dan Natterman. That's, that's kind of... Yeah, he went after Dan. Oh, I, I, mean, I, can, I can tell you everyone who went after oh, Gary Goldman, Dan Natterman. Um, now, he's all fine with all oh, these, these people now. now. Yeah. But this, he was much younger. He might have been fucking 16 at the time. Yeah, I have he, no idea. But I will say it was the Bible. If you were, this is, bef this is when the internet was just kind of like blowing up where everyone had it in their house. Like everyone, high speed was in. Yeah. And. I mean, it was I when remember, having wrote, a website I, was something, <laughs> right? I bet I could find the email I wrote to Patrick. I oh. wrote Patrick an email probably 17 years ago. Wow. I wrote, I'm almost certain I could find the email wow. I wrote to Patrick. Wow. Um, I'm going to, let me see if I can, what it have to be cringe, cringe humor, I bet. I bet I could find the fucking email yeah. I sent to Patrick. All mailboxes. 
Yeah. That, so, that, but but I'm, I'm to get back on track. So sure. Um, Patrick, that whole group of guys were are die hard comedy fans. Purists. First, yes, that's it. First, first. They are they are comedy purists first. They just went after guys that they thought were funny, and then Patrick started to put together a series of shows in New York City at different various locations called Cringe Humor Shows, and it was Rich Foss and Keith Robinson and Jim Florentine and Jim Norton and all kinds of guys like that until ultimately they decided to start a management company, and then they all went in and they bought the stand, and then that's when they were like, all right, the website needs to be shut down. We're going kind of more professional doing it like that. And uh, David... Uh, Kimowitz, rest his soul. I can't believe I have to say that. Uh, Chris Italia, Patrick Milligan, and Paul Italia all came and they opened the stand, which was on 20th and 3rd. And then it shut down for a year till they just got this new location, which is, have you been? I have not. Holy shit. I was, it thinking, is, about, I was thinking about flying out this month it's like the new york it's like a new york comedy store you go downstairs and you have the main showroom but then upstairs there's like a, a small showroom with these huge glass doors that close that are soundproof while people are eating in this gigantic beautiful restaurant it's insane yeah so um unfortunately so david and chris italia uh, part of uh, CH Entertainment, they named it. Uh, they took the initials from Cringe Humor, obviously couldn't take the name. Uh, they managed me for almost five years. And then three years ago, it was just, you know, things drift apart. It was never bitter. It was never, you know, bad. It was just, you know, move on and stuff. And um, unfortunately, last week, uh, David was uh, taken from us to a, a violent crime and uh, unspeakable, un unthinkable. And uh, it really rocked the New York scene and it rocked a lot of us. Um, really, really hard, man, and and, and his, Burr his, too, and his, and, and, and his, and, and, his yeah. au pair's boyfriend. He had one of those flying, yes, fucking psycho. Yeah, he had a he he yes. The the nanny's boyfriend and her were breaking up. This is an individual David led in his home, I believe, and and you know I don't want to speak ill. I mean about the nanny or anybody, oh, but oh, yeah, yeah. this was this was somebody that was trusted, and yeah. the nanny was breaking up with him. I guess he couldn't handle it, and he went to do an awful crime to her, and David ended up up being there and um, both of them lost their lives that that morning and it's just a brutal thing fucking horrific it's it's, it's one of the i mean david I, was a very sweet guy i very, met him i met him in for the first time i met him but the thing about those guys is they they knew who everyone was they were like when you, everybody you, you gotta understand like if you're a comedy fan yeah they they were all bigger comedy fans than you right that got into the business because of their love the love of the of what the art is yeah and so i remember when i first met him it was in montreal a few years back and i play i knew the stand i knew those guys but i didn't realize who they were right and i knew i knew patrick i knew who patrick was for like legit legit 15 years yeah like I think that's when they started that cringe humor was 15 years ago, and I was like, oh, my. and then I put two and two together, and David watched me figure it out, and he was like, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And I was like, oh my god, and I was like, wait, do you, how do you guys interact with comics? Like, how does like? And they're like, uh, it, it can be tricky. It can be yeah, tricky. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, no, and, and for those guys to like sit down and have meetings and go eat with me, and this is you know you're, you're talking now eight years ago, and I was like starting to just you know hit New York hard, and they decided to work with me. But David and I and, and I, I can honestly say this, honestly, because you know a lot of people you know when somebody dies go, hey man, always a smile on the face. This guy truly was always smiling. And if you'd go at him and be like, no, fuck this industry. Because I killed and they don't want me because of this. And he would just go, dude, 
dude, we're going to, you know what? We're going to go back and he, we'll go back and get him. And he was always the guy, like I remember my Montreal audition in 2013. It was really good, both of them. And then afterwards, we didn't know for a fact if I got it. I ended up going that year, but we didn't know. But he's like, we're going to Korean bar. We're going to Koreatown. We're going to go to uh, Korean barbecue. And we just ate. And that's who he was. He wanted to eat at the finest places. He was a foodie. He, he, he loved stand-up. He loved music. Always smiling. Before his beautiful daughters were born, he would show pictures of his nieces and nephews. I remember him always going, look at this, and laughing genuinely. Two beautiful girls. It's it's such a, just a, it's a tragedy and it's awful. But that guy lived a way where, as devastating as it was, I was just like, man, that guy literally was always smiling. So when I ask you, I guess what I want is to do that. I want to keep doing what I love and have fun with what I love. I want to keep putting out comedy specials and keep doing it, but do it in a fun way where I'm enjoying it actually and enjoying my family when I do it and living the way David lived. So I know he's not a comic and you guys can't see footage, but that guy, every single person, and I think why New York City was so devastated and why the comedy community, forget New York City, everybody that knows festivals, all this stuff was because of the way that this guy lived his life. So that, that he's making me go, yeah, that's not a big deal. Like, that's not a big fucking deal. What am I worried about? And um, so that, that I think I'm going to just take that. If I could, if you could take anything from this thing, because it's hard to wrap your head around. It's just that I'm going to try to take that positive force and, and do, you know, move along with what, how I live. You know? I was going to say a boat. <laughs> I was, when you asked the question, Paul, what do you want? I was like, <laughs> I want to be on a boat. <laughs> I just want to be a boat. I want to. Yeah, I don't mean to make you feel like a piece yeah, of yeah, shit. And as I'm hearing your answer, I was like, "Well, I guess I'm I'm short selling myself." I am a narcissist. <laughs> I want a boat, and I want to be able to be on a boat and not worry about money. Well, let me ask you this: Do you really want a boat, dude? I want a boat so fucking bad, but my wife is not a boat person. She has no interest in a fucking boat. You want to really get a boat? That's I, was, I wanted to buy a sailboat. I, I we went we went and looked at beach houses in Ventura, right? <laughs> fairly yeah. affordable yeah oddly enough and we had a great great the oxnard comedy clubs up there and they're is that levity yeah levity okay great i never club. been i've only been to the one in west nyack in new york oh yeah it's a great club and okay. so i wanted to do i wanted to do uh i wanted to buy a beach house up there okay. so that we could go up there for extended times and then i could just do drop in and do spots at levity live on the weekdays to just go hey i'm gonna do a tuesday show sell some tickets and and then i was like fuck that i want to I, I we were having dinner lunch me and the girls and i said fuck a beach house what if we got a boat and then that's our beach house you know isla immediately is like oh we definitely need a boat and george is like dad i don't think you're thinking this through and then my wife's like honey we're not getting a fucking boat isla and i are like we're definitely getting a boat we're definitely yeah. getting a boat but yeah, I, I, I would like to be in life in a place where I could be I could be in the Bahamas on a boat and I'm not worried about anything. That's what I want. I want to not worry about anything. To be like on a boat, snorkeling, spearfishing, and fishing, scuba diving, drinking cold beers with my feet in the sand, and not worry about anything. Like anything. Go just be like... I don't really care. Like, yeah. that's what I want out of life. I, w I would love, God, man, I wish there was like a way you could like ring a bell in this game where it's like, like say my next special is like as good as my last one. Yeah. I think it's going to be better. I personally think people are going to, I think, I don't know. I mean, I think, I think my writing has gotten so much better 
I think I've written the best joke I've ever written in my entire life. In my entire life. And that I think this joke is so perfect. I think yeah. it's the perfect joke. I really do. Yeah. Um I wish you could just get do that special, ring a bell, and then be like, that's it, guys. I'm hanging them up. I'm I I I, I get a I get a, a paycheck every month, right? Like I don't right. need a tour. I would right. love that but th but there's but your love for it would come back like if, oh I, 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 I could never get there you'd I could be never fishing get there. for like two months and be like dude i need to do a set i wrote a joke now. i wrote a joke yes i'm trying i'm on vacation right now yeah uh, i'm trying to do a sabbatical where i'm doing podcasts but i'm trying not to do sets because if i do sets sometimes i'm I don't, i'm not living yeah and if i don't live i don't have material you can't grow that's 100 so, so I've, I've, I've taken three weeks off in august i'm gonna start doing spots at the store again i've done by the way I am doing spots every week at the store. I can't. I can't. It's like a fucking addiction. It's crazy. I literally, I said, no stand up. And then Tripoli hits me up. He's like, hey, man, can you do Tuesday night? And I was like, oh, yeah, I can do Tuesday. That's a fun show. I just won't call into the OR. And then I'm like, well, you know what? Monday, I might as well just tell them I can, I'm, I'm going to be there if they can have it, throw me up twice. It's a fucking addiction. Yeah, yeah. I go, at least I won't do weekends. I'm not going to do the weekend. I'm going to hang out with my family. <laughs> it's like a fucking addiction, it's man. It's crazy. I, I, my, what happens is my wife, my wife will go, you need to go do a spot because I'll start getting, I'll start getting not mean, but like short and antsy. Yeah. And I'm just like, yeah, has, it's been a couple days. Like, and she's just like, go fuck, you know, but I'm, I'm doing, I, I think, I think every special, I don't think a comedian should put a special out if it's not, if, if in their mind, it's not better than the next oh, one. Oh no. Yeah. I, the problem is, you know, this business, this business is like a treadmill and you put out a special and then it's well received. And then everyone's like, I, I mean, I, I'm not, I'm not toot my own horn here, but I will say, I put out my last special, and they were like, "All right, when's your next one?" And I was like, well, <laughs> "I'm, I'm, I, I'm, I'm close." And they're like, "Cool, can we shoot it in March?" By the way, this is my special aired in August. Wow! And they wanted to shoot it in March, so I, I'd had time to write. Yeah, but I literally was like, I, had, I said no. And I'm so like that's the one time I've ever said no in this business. Yeah, yeah. I said it will be ready, but it won't be great. I said if you give me until November to do one more tour with this hour, yep. it'll be dialed fucking in. That's, and I ran into Bill, and I said to so Bill, Bill's like I'm doing a special, and he goes, I said, are you ready for it? And he goes, Bert, this special has been I've had this material has been ready for a year now. Yeah. And I went, that's how you want to go into a special. I think Bill's. I, I got to open for his last couple. You know, most of them, and he not not night of. Yeah, but touring, and he would he was always be over ready. He yeah. would always be like, I remember being like, dude, you could have done that six months ago. He's like, yeah, like oh, oh. you want to be you want to be there. You want to have every joke tied up. You want everything to have an ending. You want everything to be perfect. Yeah, and it's funny you said that, man. It's, it's so funny because I'm doing two bits right now that are the best jokes I've ever done, and I'm I know I know this one is going to be better, and I just hope you know. Plus, you know, the Comedy Central thing, the, the, the editing is a different thing with them, yeah. and the commercials and all that. So you know, Sucks. that's a whole. What's other, your yeah. What's what? Let's let's do this. What do you think? What jokes are you most proud of? Like that you go, God, man, that's when I came up with that. Even I was surprised. Yeah, there's a joke I'm doing now about a, a movie theater by me that only hires people with disabilities. So everybody yeah. in the movie theater has Down syndrome, head injuries, diseases, wheelchairs, all the employees. And uh, I do the joke 
and the joke is basically, you know, without getting into don't, it. Yeah, don't get into it because you don't want to burn any material. I don't want. I don't yeah. want to burn. But but the joke is is. I already like how dangerous this joke is. Oh, dude, and everybody, you just see people smiling, going, "Where's it going?" But everybody's got a disability there. And then I talk about how the service is incredible, and then I compare it to a a regular movie theater, and the ending could not be more perfect, oh. and everybody just goes, "Oh my god, dude!" And then and it's one of those where I say it, and I just wait. And it's just a wave. Oh. And then you hear them thinking about it. And then it's another wave. And then sometimes an applause. And it's just one of those jokes where I'm like, how the f I got one of those. Like, it was nice to, it's, it, it was almost like fishing. And I'm like, I always catch maybe something little. or, or so, And then all of a sudden, you just get that big fucking catfish, like in, was it Grumpy Old Man? <laughs> was it Grumpy Old Man? Yeah, yeah, grumpy? Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, yeah. you just like the one that, and I was like, I got it. I got it. And this one is, is good. And then I'm doing a new one now that actually Burr was like, dude, that's, I'm doing one of about the WNBA right now that is like it's so I'm really really excited about these two and, you, and the WNBA one is hot what, off the in press. your past what's one what's a joke that you've told that you're like what was the first joke you wrote I'll give you an example the first joke I wrote where I was like fuck yes was um you know what cops hate when you touch their faces oh my god that's hilarious that was my first joke where I was like ooh I think I can do this. That's, and by the way, I wrote that. That's fucking having having done no. I my first times I ever did stand up. I did, and I did, walked it through this whole bit. Patrice was there, yeah, and helped me with that joke because it yeah. initially was, initially was, because I did it. I really did it, um, in front of Patrice. I did it to a flight attendant. She was going to cut me off, and I just put my lips on her face and went. Shh. Oh my god! My finger, my finger on her lips, and went. Oh, Shh. oh my god! And Patrice is like. Did you just touch someone's fucking face? Oh my god! That's and so I was like, and then I that night we were in Scotland. I said, you know what, flight attendants hate when you touch their faces, and oh. and Patrice is like, that's funny. You got to up the ante. I said, what? And he goes, you got to take it, take another, it to another, le another yeah. level. It needs to be like, what could be worse than that? And and I think well, I don't know if he said it or I said it. I think he said it. he was like, you know, what cops hate. And I went, oh, fuck, cops is so much worse. He goes, that's the joke. And so that night I went, that night I went up and I said, you know what cops hate when you touch your faces? Next time you get pulled over, when the cop comes up to you and he goes, excuse me, do you know why I pulled you yeah, over? You take your finger, put it to his lips and go, yeah. shh, oh, that's and then take off. Oh. And, and that joke, I was like, there we go. The, I got a joke. Yeah. My writing naturally is so lowbrow that like, that something that isn't lowbrow, I'm surprised I come up with. Yeah, no, I know what you mean because you're used to, but you're, but see, I'm a storyteller too. So I'm, so a lot of my storytelling, like I'm throwing quicker ones in now, and this one is kind of filled with stories and more of those. But, but you I'm know what's crazy guy. though? Not to interrupt you, no, but that's the whole point of my podcast, I feel like. The, um, <laughs> I, I feel like it's so funny when I hear people talk about being storytellers now mm -hmm. because I remember fighting being a storyteller i remember n not wanting to be a storyteller because it didn't work everywhere like you couldn't just do it everywhere now it's a lot easier to be a storyteller the only person i'd ever say in my career I, i'll tell you personally the two fucking i have to say two like forerunners in storytelling have to be chris titus and mike berbiglia mm -hmm. mike berbiglia was telling story. I don't even know Mike Probiglia. I met him once. Yeah. Quite honestly, he wasn't that nice. 
But yeah, yeah, I don't know him. I don't know him. I don't know I him never, at all. I but never. Man, know. I'll tell you, I watched his set in Tampa. That motherfucker is a storyteller. Yeah, like fuck all these. I remember one time hearing Dane say he was a storyteller. I go, bitch, you're not a storyteller. Who? Dane. I go, okay. Mike Berbiglia is a. He went on stage and just started a story in a comedy club. Yeah, started with a story and told an engaging, amazing fucking story. I was like, huh. And and when I when I did the machine, which is like uh, you know f- a fucking thirteen minute story, yeah, it's, I it's a, I it's a great held solace in the fact that other people were doing it too. Like I was like, I can't be the I I can't be the only fucking idiot telling a thirteen minute story. But yeah, yes, yeah, Chris I, Titus is a fucking uh, yeah, I, storyteller. But dude, if you look back, I you know. Uh, I mean, not the greatest reputation, but Cosby, you know, back then. And, yeah. and, and Eddie Murphy, Eddie Murphy. So Eddie Murphy is my hero. Murphy. Eddie Murphy is my, Eddie Murphy is my hero. Is a legit. I don't even know. I don't even know if he ever wrote a joke, like a stand up, like set up punch. He is a st- fucking Richard Pryor. His drunk father saying to his mother that you can't go outside. And then he goes, Lillian, Lillian, Lillian may not. And then he writes a thing and he goes, you better call her and tell you. Not. Oh, wait, you can't use it. You better open a window and holler your motherfucking head off. That whole piece. Lillian, you, you forget that it's Eddie Murphy. Lillian cannot. <laughs> Lillian. That is no, the goes, funniest. May never go outside ever again. again. But like Eddie brought, first of all, 25. How about nuts is that? He's 25 years old when he does that. He did Delirious at 22. He <laughs> made- Lillian. That, that is. But Dude. by the way. In comedy, if you can get a word like Lillian can oh. can never yeah. go outside. But I call you, oh, oh, Lillian can't use the phone. That yeah, it's it, I hope he, I hope his next special is that good. I, dude, his did you see him in Comedians in Cars? It was amazing. Yeah, but I I, I but yeah, I, you no, can see the it, fear it though. Broke he, my, if you right when he said midget uh, and he and he caught himself. But I also saw I also saw when I watched it, Bert, because I love him. He's my I get the chills with him. You know, I saw in him in comedians in cars when he's like, "No, I'm gonna do it." You could tell he's scared, and and he's got to let go of that because even when he did the Mark Twain, when he when he won the Mark Twain Award at the Kennedy Center, he it took him a second, but when he let go and he started to do, even when he does Cosby, when he goes, "You," he just stretches it like, "Ooh." He ta- what, what did he talk? He talked about Cosby and comedians in cars getting coffee, right? He talked about Cosby being just a fucking psycho Cosby I mean Cosby being a psycho and and another thing that was interesting is he talked about how when he would show up to the club Richard would leave Richard Richard had a you know Richard would leave and it was like and that was there was a thing and I didn't realize when they did Harlem Nights together because that was him and Richard and Red Fox and all those people but I heard that on the set of that you know there was definitely Richard kind of saw him as the next guy coming and a guy who did what he did with super talent and I heard that they weren't cool but Richard was his was his um hero but i gotta be honest with you man i'm speaking out of my ass so if i say anything horrifically reckless i apologize yeah there's always been that with black comedians there's always been because this business doesn't let black comedians succeed the way they do let white comedians so you mean like so you're saying mike epps and kevin hart right fucking hate each other do they oh god yes they've all they've done is hate each other Uh, michael blackson and kevin hart um, yeah, that- fucking, there's so much Cat Williams and Kevin Hart. I mean, everyone's going after Kevin Hart because quite honestly, Kevin Hart's, I mean, the, mu- the, the, tele- yeah. the movie industry and not, and, and I think things are changing 
thank God. I mean, I, only because as both of us will attest, yeah. our favorite our favorite movie star and comedian was Eddie Murphy. 100%. Eddie Murphy, I I'm I've had I've laughed so much with that man. I mean, I watched his specials when I was a kid with my parents. He was like, "Faggots be looking at your ass." Yeah, fuck around and get AIDS. Yeah, and yeah. I, I remember dying laughing. Probably a little inappropriate, but yeah. My dying- dad took me in ten years old to the theater. My grandmother and mother go, "You're not taking him to see Raw in the theater." We went to a movie theater called Movie Land in Yonkers, New York, and I watched Raw, and I was just fucking. That was it, dude. I was like nothing else was. I was locked into that and just those stories and everything. But I think Eddie's talent. Did you see him on Kimmel? And he was on Kimmel, and he just did a. He did a, uh, I heard you called uh, Tracy Morgan after his accident. And he just goes into a Tracy Morgan impression that like, it was just not, it was just like he did 60% of what he could do. And Jimmy Kimmel just looked at him and goes, that's the greatest Tracy Morgan impression ever. Like he, but he didn't even try to do Tracy. He did his neck. Like he didn't even just do his voice. He did his neck and you're, you know, the Frank's, like he just did. Wait, he just I looked, want, can you pull that up? Can you, I, I know we probably can't show it. I would love to see. Oh my! I didn't see that. Just, uh, just quickly, just quickly. He goes, "Oh, I, told you, I heard you talk to Tracy Morgan after," and he just does it, and he does his neck. And... Oh, you... Listen to how nonchalant. He's nonchalant. He's. It's like he's on a Xanax. Yeah. Effortless. As he said over and over again to me, ballpark Franks. <laughs> he said, I went over there and he made me Franks, ballpark Franks. <laughs> God, man. Watch, watch, watch. It keeps going. <laughs> That's why I'm always be cool with Eddie because he made me them Franks. <laughs> and when I was young, they used to call me Fat Mercy. <laughs> See the tilt? It, it just, yeah. <laughs> Everybody imitates Tracy Morgan. That's easily the best Tracy Morgan. Like, like he did the chin. Like if you watch, like he did the chin and the head tilt where nobody would do that. Everybody would just do the voice. He got like, and he didn't even like, he just on a fly. Like that's how fucking t- I get the chills with that guy. I just hope that he doesn't let the fear. I hope he just, fu- if, he, if here's the thing. I think you would agree with this too. We we're talking about it on Bobby's podcast the other night. If Eddie does this, if he signs that deal for those millions and he does this, he's got to do it as Eddie Murphy. He can't do it as like well, That's why they're giving him 70 million. He's got to just let it go, man. And he's got to understand he's going to get criticism. Chappelle got criticism. Chappelle got criticism. They called him transphobic and all this stuff. Chappelle's the greatest. Eddie just needs to fucking go up there and just let it go, man. And I, I hope he does. I hope I he does. I wonder what he's going to wear. I, I, I know. I would fucking... I, I would, think, by the way, by the way, I would cancel my tour to go open for Eddie Murphy. Oh my God! I've, every comedian's calling their manager, going, "Hey, if he needs somebody, I'm doing like that." Would be the ultimate dream. I see your wheels spinning. What he, should, I, what he should do, what he should do, uh, yeah, is come out on my tour and open for me and do <laughs> do an hour yeah. and just because no because no one's yeah, like you don't you don't want to you don't want to go set up a tour if you're Eddie Murphy working on material. He's got to work on material. He's got a he's got his work cut out for him if he does. Here's this. what sucks is that the way this fucking cunt country is working yeah. is that everyone's gonna fucking videotape it and I won't get to experience it brand new. I know. Everyone's gonna fucking use your assholes. You fucking putting it. Eddie Murphy's new material is problematic. It's new material. Yeah. That's what they did to Louie. Yeah, like, with that. It's joke. problematic. Um, 
I work for uh, uh, cunt.com, and uh, I, I, by the way, is that a website available? Um, That's definitely, there's no way that cunt, I mean, I would put money right now that cunt, cunt.com exists. There's no way it doesn't. By the way, you know how, like, you know how, like, if you're, if you if you don't if you're oblivious to <laughs> to the offense of to being offensive, shame only works on it's it comes up. It's available. Oh, I was gonna put a price on it. Can you buy cunt.com right now? Oh my god. Buy cunt- <laughs> Let's try it up there, yeah. yeah, buy cunt.com. <laughs> How much is oh that? Oh my god. Bert, what's your website? My website's cunt.com. Oh my god. I'm a blogger for cunt.com. Oh my god. <laughs> Do you realize we can make a million dollars at cunt.com? How is that available? I, I, that's, How has someone not bought Is cunt. it like not com? allowed maybe? Is it like, is like is that? Is it like a, it's like the forbidden word? Make that you an can, offer, dude. Let's get cunt.com. Imagine you had a fucking bidding war with somebody else. How, what's what are you willing to pay for cunt.com? $10,000. That you would go to 10 if you, if you oh, were good. bidding in a bidding war? Cunt.com. I'm going to start. A, I'm going to start. I'm going to. I would start. I would start a public shaming website. You didn't even hesitate. 10 grand. I'll go 10. 10, 100%. I'll play 10 grand for cunt.com. I don't, I, I, I don't buy. Some people are saying, you know, I, Bert, I heard somebody go, ah, I, I think Eddie's thing will be terrible. I don't no, think so. It won't be. It because won't be. it's not going to come out. Here's, I don't think, I don't think it's, I don't, like, listen, you know, Chappelle and Rock and all them are going to be watching it and with him. They're not going to let that. Nobody's going to let that out unless they're like, you're Eddie and you know, again. And, you're, and, he's, and by the way, he's still Eddie Murphy. He's Eddie Murphy. He's so talented. Yes. He's going to he's gonna go and he'll have some weak premises. And Chappelle will be like, hey, just so you know, I, I know you've been out of the scene. But that's like, Rock did that two years ago. But I did that five years ago. Like, you need, and they're just going to keep him fresh. You yeah. know they're going to fucking surround him. They're going to be Yoder bags out the fucking ass. Someone's going to write a fucking yeah. blog about his stand up because it people don't understand that when you write a joke it's not perfect it's just a really bad idea sometimes that you go there's something to this i have have jokes i have jokes that i have said on this podcast that i've taken on stage that worked in the room with my friends i've taken on stage and i've and and this is how it should work is i had a joke about i won't say what it was but uh it was a a joke about race and i thought it was a good joke (laughs) and i told it and uh black dude and this black woman hit me up and they were like hey man i would lose that joke it, okay it's I, I understand what you're trying to get at but it's not it the, this black chick just came up to me and goes hey i'm a big fan i'm a big fan and i've she, come to all your shows i'm just letting you know that joke is not a good joke and i was like really? now let me ask you when you thought about it afterwards after she said that to you when you thought about it you you agreed you were like you know what maybe i don't it, it, maybe it's I, not I, no all i all i thought is um, I still have that premise in my head. Right. I'll wait until I see the right angle to t- approach. I, at the time, I was trying to force it. I thought it was edgy and cool, and yeah. And it just and it was like I was like and it and it. What's so funny is that like I see, I, I've there's an easy hacky way to do it, but obviously the fucking long road is the one that's going to pay off the most. Like you want to take the difficult angle. It's like Burr's new special. Burr's entire career has been taking the difficult angle, taking yes. the hard angle. We were talking about him at a fucking birthday party yesterday, quoting his jokes. Yeah, he, Bill is, he go against the grain. 
He'll be a contrarian to what the main consensus is and he'll find the other way and then you'll go, but wait a minute, how do you think that? And then boom, he'll hit you with it. But I, when it comes to shit like that, like the black woman coming up to you and saying that, I think when it comes to race or certain things, Unless the joke is so perfect that they can't deny it, just talk real. Like my dad grew up in the in a in the Bronx in the sixties. My yeah. father grew up in a Bronx tale. So my father, you know, my father has kind of, I guess you could say, just instilled old school racism. Yeah. You know, he was almost kidnapped too when he was younger by a black man. So my dad is just my dad was almost kidnapped. Too. My dad was like feet away from like me not existing. Like I, you How know, that happened. He was downstairs uh, and my grandmother was up a few flights like doing doing whatever. And my dad was downstairs just playing around like a tree at like six years old running around. And um, this dude comes up to him and says, uh, come here, little boy. You need to come with me. And he goes, no. And he goes, no, you got to come with me. He goes, your mother's in the car waiting for you. And he looked in and he saw some woman in the car and he goes, that's not my mother. He goes, no, you got to come with me. And my father, and he starts kind of chasing my father. My father starts screaming, screaming. And my grandmother said to my grandfather, she goes, hey, go down and get Tommy. Something, something's wrong. He goes, ah, my grandfather, yeah, he's just playing. She goes, no, something's wrong. He's screaming, go down. And when they got out there, the, the guy ran off and got in a car and took off. And my father was, guy was trying to get my dad. So my dad always says, now, I've seen my father interact with all races and it's all, you know, he's, he's grit, but he's got that thing. So when I talk about that, you can't get mad at what I'm saying. Cause yeah. I do a joke. I talk about how my dad still can't believe Obama was president. I yeah. said, he talks about it like it was Katrina and he does. My father talks about it. Like he can't fuck, you know, like, you know, and so you believe that, you know, and I'm just going like, but you can't get mad at me after I say that because he, that, that that's what it is. You can't, he's certain, an, he's yeah. a man in his seventies who grew up in this time, but it's all, it's, it's actually just a bubble. Like I've seen my dad interact with people and he's great. So it's just that it's almost like where you grew up. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like that's that shit. I grew up in Florida, man. I grew up in Florida in the seventies, eighties. I mean, homophobia, racism. It was like they, they tried their hardest to ingrain it in everyone i mean there yeah. were you know and you just i th i think i was i think i was lucky my dad my dad and my mom are the most liberal open-minded human beings in the world my dad is i've never in my life heard my dad say anything negative about any race of people ever that's a bold fucking statement it is it is not only is that a bold statement that is fucking rare man my, my grandmother was my grandmother god rest her soul was very racist my grandmother didn't want me marrying my wife because my wife was poor white trash she was like no 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 we do not associate with them they're oh my god they're baptist oh my god they're, yeah we cannot and my, my i don't think my grandmother came up to my wedding because of it she was just appalled that i would marry wow a baptist white trash grew up in a trailer park my greek grandparents met my italian grandparents i would i you know when you said that i was like I want to hear this Bronx tale. Yeah, so so my mother, Greeks Greeks are very similar to Jews in that they want you to stay together. Okay, <laughs> Dude, can I can I defend Jews on that? Um, I was I, I never <laughs> sure I, I never I was always I was always offended that Jewish girls that I dated their mothers and fathers never approved of them not dating of uh, them dating me. Like it was it was always blew my mind that like that was an issue, and I was like. How racist of them. How racist of Gary Goldman's mother to want him to marry a Are Jew. Are you Jewish? No, I'm not. And so, but it wasn't until I went to fucking Europe this last time yeah. and I realized how few Jews are in Europe. Right. 
and because of the Holocaust, yes. Then I went, oh, yeah. They're trying to keep their race alive. That's, that's all. No, that's what I dated. If they're not. They're not trying to be racist. They're going, hey man, we were exterminated at one point. Yeah, we need to keep existing, and the only way to do that is to have sex with each other. I dated a Jewish girl, and I remember sitting down with her, and I go, hey, can I ask you a question? I go, since it's a religion and not a nationality, why do you guys, and she basically said that. She's just like, look, what happened before? It's like, that's, you know, that's what it is. But um, my my Greek grandparents wanted my mother to go, you got to marry a Greek dude. That's what it is. And in comes my dad, this just, you know, actually like very good looking guy at the time, but just buttoned up like new car, chains, watch just comes in and then they start dating. And then my Italian, my Sicilian grandparents go to the house of my Greek grandparents and my Greek grandmother, my mother said, just left, migrated away, went in a room and my mother looked for her. And then she just went in the room and just found her crying. She just found her crying. She goes, I can't believe you're burying into this Italian thing. I can't even believe it. Just weeping. Isn't that crazy? Weeping. That, that, that like, I wonder if that will happen with racism with black people and white people one day is, is what's happening. When you tell me that story, I go, that's so fucking crazy. I think there's so many similarities between the Greeks and the Italians. Yeah, they really there are. literally are a rock's throw away. Well, look at Turkey. Look at uh, people that are Turkish and Greek. That yeah. that that feud for so many years and it's so Turkish close. wrestling is the gay wrestling I was looking for, Halston. Turkish wrestling <laughs> is the wrestling I was looking for. Do you remember me saying that to someone? What's the gay wrestling where they put their hands in each other's pants? No, they don't. You've never seen Turkish wrestling? No. Turkish wrestling. Put in Turkish wrestling, Halston. They put Pull it. To, you've what? never seen no. it's the most aggressively gay thing I've ever seen in my life. What? Turkish. I think it's Turkish oil wrestling or something. Turkish. You, are you finding it? They're in leather pants and they're covered in oil. Putting no. their hands. I swear to God. Look at this. Turkish oil wrestling. Watch this. Oh my God. Oh. Oh my God. Look, they're going to make out. Yeah, look at this. Yeah, turn the music off and just, yeah, look at this. But watch, they put their hands inside each other's pants. Turkish oil wrestling is the gayest thing I've ever seen. And they're gorgeous. Look at these guys. Look at these guys. What are they? I don't I think these guys are into the wrong sport. Yeah, this, watch this, watch this. Look, watch this. Get your hand out of my pants. Okay, come on. Jesus. Oh. Hey. I love how they go to the old guy like Look at him. What? Look. Yeah, I told you. Oh my god. Turkish oil wrestling. That, by the way, I've been wanting to share that with someone. Turkish oil. Hey, Chris Delia is live what? on his podcast with his brother right now. Turkish oil rat. Look, they put their hands in their what? pants How and grab is each other's what, dicks. What? Look. But like, what's the point? Like, they, do they pin? Like, like, how do you win? I think if you, well, the first whoever person, comes first, person that comes first. <laughs> re, oh. read the, yeah, look at this. Look at this, and that's in your asshole. Oh I got my your asshole. god! I wish someone could defend this for me and go and go. It's actually it's not gay. When I put my hand in his pants. I mean, that's, I've never seen any, yeah, this is, this is not a joke? No, no, this is real. Turkish oil wrestling. Google, let's just get a description of Turkish oil wrestling. Traditional Turkish oil wrestling. Oil wrestling. There we go. What? It's a Turkish national sport. By the way, I hope this doesn't, there's going to be Turkish people losing their fucking mind going, what? by the way, what if that's my thing that I get cancel culture for? If the Turks come after me? Oh my God. The young Turks are going to fucking... You tap out when you came? 
Yeah. You just got it. <laughs> I did it. Oh what my. Does it read? What does it say? Halston, can you read? I can't read. The re- the wrestlers known as Pa'ilvan, meaning hero or champion, wear a type of hand-stitched leather trousers called a kisbel, which is traditionally made of water buffalo hide and most recent has made of calfskin. Okay. Unlike Olympic wrestling, oil wrestling matches may be won by achieving an effective hold on the kisbel. So they're trying to hold the pants. pants. Yeah. Thus, they aim to control the opponent's arm by putting it through the kisbel. <laughs> to win by this move is called pakakazik. Originally, matched, matches had to set duration and could go on for one or two days until one man was able to establish his superiority. But in 1975, the duration was capped at 40 minutes. <laughs> Can you imagine doing that for two days? You just got your. I feel hand. like I feel like I've done that with my wife for two days. Yeah, it's been running around trying what, to get my What happens after two is they get married. <laughs> He's touched them so much. Turkish oil wrestling is one of the most aggressively gay things I've ever I've, seen. I've never that's that something. isn't gay. That is, I mean, I, obviously there's. By the way, put down that Tom and I need to Turkish oil wrestle each other. Yeah, but those. I'm old... gonna I'm gonna text Joe, Tom, and Ari and go, guys. I know what we're doing for sober October. Dude, I can't, <laughs> I can't believe those old men were sitting there with like Kangol hats and sweaters looking at it that seriously. I'm texting those guys right now. That's hilarious. Um, My vision's gotten so fucking bad. It's, dude, my left eye, I have astigmatism and it gets, it's getting worse. I'm, I, I, it's like, especially if I drink the night before, I'm like. Because it's dry too, right? You put drops? Yeah, I put I'm. I got drops in my pocket right now. I, I, I've, I, I have I got, so many eye drops. I'm going to buy dro- eye drops after this, yeah. So when do you go home? So uh, Wednesday, early Wednesday. So I got a I got a big meeting tomorrow, and I'm right out, and then I'm I'm headlining the Pittsburgh Improv this uh, weekend, Thursday through Saturday. So I got to go home, and my family's at the ocean. So I got to go home, drive to Philly to fly to Pittsburgh because when I get back to Philly, I'm going to drive an hour and twenty minutes to be with my uh, wait, you go, wait, say that again. So my family is going to be where we go down the Jersey Shore. We get a house on the ocean every year this time of year. So it's not far from Philly. So instead of me flying from New York to Pittsburgh, I'm going to drive to Philadelphia, fly to Pittsburgh, do the improv, fly back to Philly, get in my car, and go to the ocean because it's only an hour and 20 away. Where you stay? We used to stay at Beach Haven. Uh, Oh, you go to LBI? Yeah, we used to back when I was a kid. I grew up at... Oh, dude, that's that's awesome. Yeah, so we we go Beach Haven or or Brand Beach right there. There's a place. uh, I wonder if it's still open. It was called, hold on, I'm going to call my mom. We love it down there, man. Like, my kids love it. Uh, I wonder if this place is still open. By the way. I go every year. What's it called? I might know. Uh, hold on, hold on. I gotta, let me call my mom. <laughs> it, they made the best fucking donuts I've ever had in my entire life. It's there. It's the best fucking donuts. We'd go and get a bag of donuts. Ev- Why is my phone? Oh, there we go. We get a bag of donuts every fucking morning. They were the best goddamn donuts I've ever had in my life. By the way, mom, mom. Hey, what was the name of the place that sold donuts in uh, Beach Haven? What? I can't hear you, mom. Are you in a tunnel? What if she's dying? And no. that's her last words. No, no. <laughs> God forbid. I wonder if she'll text me. Um, 
Yeah, we go to Beach Haven. What was the name of the place that sold donuts in Beach Haven? Oh, that's... Read what I just texted my mom, voice texted. Just read it out loud. What was the name of the place <laughs> sold Donna to Beach Haven? <laughs> Imagine she answered. What the hell? Uh, oh, my God. Yeah, you got to change that. I Man, it was... Uh, those donuts were the best fucking donuts. I, By the way, I got to be honest with you. If that place is still open... When I'm on tour and I'm in Jer I'm in Philly and I'm in Jersey. Oh no, I was just in Philly. I'm in Jersey. I will drive. I'll take my tour bus down to go get these fucking donuts. Yeah, I I know there's a line outside of a donut place, and I would imagine it's in Beach Haven. It's the same one. It's it was a block. It was like two blocks from our house. Yeah, and we were what was I? Yeah, God damn it, mom. We I'm go. Gonna, I'm gonna call her one more time. I gotta find the name of this place. I wonder where she is. That's impressive if she knows it. She'll remember. Oh, she'll remember. In a heart. She just Hey mom, can you hear me? Uh, what was um, yeah, what's your, what's your name? What's the name of the place that had donuts in Beach Haven? <laughs> mom, I can't hear you. What was it? Tommy Marvels. Tommy Armors. Marvels, Marvels. Marvel. Tommy Marvels? Yes. Okay. All right. I love you, Mom. Bye. Tommy Marvels. Hey, will you see if that place is still open in Beach Haven? Marvels. It was Marvels Donuts. Yeah. Tommy Marvels. I guarantee you it's closed. There's no way that fucking place is still open. There was a donut place there last year. I guarantee, I guarantee you there's no way this place is still open. Mar Marvels Bakery in Beach Haven? Is it still there? What, what's the address? Four West Maryland Avenue. Four West Maryland Avenue. Our beach house was like two blocks from that, three blocks. We used to walk down to Marvel's and get donuts every fucking morning. I remember the they give you a brown bag. Brown bag, yes. Cinnamon sugar. Yes. And they were, and they and you'd come home and the bag would be wet with oil. Yes. And they were hot still. Oh, they were the best fucking donuts. We I've, got, yeah, we got them, dude. It's there. God damn it. Yeah, we got them. We're going, I think we are on Beach Haven. And this year we're like right on the ocean. God, so, uh, yeah, Marvels. Shut the fuck up. That's crazy. That's, play, those donuts are the best goddamn donuts. That's so donuts. weird. That, like, so how did you go to LBI so my mom when you up, were in Tampa? My mom grew up in Philly. My dad, oh. my dad, mom was born in Philly. My dad was born in Levittown, New York, right by Governors. So wait a minute. Your dad's from Long Island? Long Island, yeah. Oh, shit. Yeah, dude. my dad's, my dad's, uh, went, grew up in Levittown, went to school at Malvern in Philly. Okay. And then went to Villanova. My mom grew up in Philly, went to Gwendolyn Mercy or whatever. And and then they got married. My dad um, went to law school in at Stetson in Florida, I think, and moved back to Philly and couldn't get a job. And then decided wow. to open a practice in, uh, in, in Tampa. Well, they started, I think he started as a lawyer in like St. Pete. We lived on okay. St. Pete Beach. The place that I grew up in St. Pete Beach just went on sale on the oh. beach my dad's like buddy it's like fucking 80 grand 100 grand it's on yeah. the beach he's like it's a fucking shack he's like you should buy it i was like well, what is, my family's not gonna want to go live in a was it tiny studio it was a studio on the beach yeah and so um but yeah my and then so we used to every summer we go back to philly every summer we went back to philly and we'd go to beach haven every summer for a week 
one of the greatest days I've ever had with my dad ever. I've had a couple great days with my dad. Yeah. Meaning, I, my dad and I have a good relationship, but like, very seldomly do you just. We went and played golf the other day at P Torrey Pines, and we laughed hysterically together uh, for eighteen round, eighteen holes. You golf? Oh yeah, yeah. Fuck! I wish I would have known, dude. I would. We could have planned something. I would have loved that. Dude, Next time, dude. For I just sure. got a new set of clubs from uh, TaylorMade. Oh, I went and did a fitting, and they gave me a new set of clubs. Oh, oh they're fucking... And I, so I've been playing a lot lately. Oh, dude. But yeah, one of my favorite days ever. My dad, I was maybe 14 years old, 14 or maybe 13, 14, 15 maybe. Yeah. And my dad said, uh, we were in Jersey, and my dad woke me up early, and he goes, hey, let's go body surfing. And I was like, fucking such a... I'm like... I'm almost at the age where I'm aged out of that. <laughs> and I was like, I was like, okay. So I didn't want to go. I put on a bathing suit. And it was a little cold. Yeah. And we go down to the beach and the water is the coldest water I've ever felt in my life. What? When we, st I got in <laughs> and my feet, I thought, I felt like my feet were having headaches. They hurt. Wow. And I go, dad, I don't know if we could do this. And he goes, come on, it'll be fun. We laughed and body surfed for like an hour it was so great. You want to know the sad part of the story is I woke up the next morning excited. I was like, mom, where's dad? I want to go body surfing with him. She's like, oh, he went to go play golf in Philadelphia. And I was uh, like, uh. I was so sad. I was like, oh, I wanted to hang out with him. What She's do you like, shoot when you golf? Uh, I shot an 83 the other day. Wow. Yeah. Oh, that's nice. So you're a good golfer. I am a, I'm surprisingly good. I had an eagle. That's part of it. I had an eagle par four. Well, still, I mean. Par four. Drove the drove the green, uh, landed four feet from the pin. How far was the hole? Uh, two eighty. Two no, about uh, two. I think two seventy uphill. Okay, I hit a three wood. No, wow. Yeah, three wood. You hit a three wood uphill two seven, and you were on. Yeah. Wow. Fucking crushed it. Holy. Four feet from the pin. And knocked down the putt. Knocked down the putt. It wow. was on my Instagram stories, and I was like, it was, it was my second eagle ever. Oh, you ever get a hole in one or no? No. You know what I did to Travel Channel? Tra you know, it's like one day that they were like, Adventures of a Lifetime. Like That's one of my shows I did there with four years. Adventures of a Lifetime. What's one thing you want to do you've always wanted to do? Whatever you want to do, we got to do it. It was the greatest job in the world. Yeah. You would I would literally go and go, ooh, uh, motorized surfboards. Let's get some. And so we get motorized surfboards and do it. <laughs> so... um so that's great. one day I said, they said, we're in Arizona. We're taking a family through to the Grand Canyon. And they're like, what's one thing you've always wanted to do in Arizona? I said, hole in one. They're like, what? I said, I want to hit a hole in one. I said, let's find a short par three and let's get, let's get a course to give us a par three for the day and let's get fucking 200 balls and let's see if we can hit a hole in one. Me and four very good golfers a whole family of good golfers wow sat for two hours and not one of us hit a hole in one we must have hit a thousand balls onto this green did anybody come close not the closest i got was like three feet from the pin wow i was like are you fucking kidding me i thought if you gave me 10 shots i'd have a hole in one <laughs> no dude one time on a 163 yard par three i came this close it was it was this close and uh it never came close again i hit a provisional once though so one time so I, I, we're standing on this big mountain and you got to go downhill it's an awesome part yeah. three and my first one just went far left like i don't think i'm gonna find that let me take a pro and then that one was hanging on the cup i'm glad it didn't go in 
Yeah. Because could you imagine if that went in, then it's a three, then it's par. And then you got it. Yeah. So, but I never got one. I, uh, the closest I've ever gotten. And by the way, I do this joke every single fucking time. It's one of my favorite Instagram posts. I've done it. I've done it. I didn't do it this last round. Anytime I go to play golf, I do this and I always hit Rich Voss. Yeah. One time I played in Tampa with my dad, par three, and I'm on the green, but not even nowhere close to the fucking pin. Right. And my dad goes, buddy, if you had played yesterday, you would have had a hole in one. And I go, why? And I look over and it's where they had replaced the hole. Oh my God. I went, wow. And my ball is dead center. In it. In, in like, cause <laughs> when you play golf, they re- they move the hole around to keep the greens fresh. I'm telling that to people who don't play golf. And so you can see a circle when, what they do is they'll pull that plug of grass out to put the hole in. And then they'll, the other hole, they'll put that old plug of grass right back in. So it's like a brown circle. Right. So the next day, the pin could be in the back of the green instead of the front. Yeah. yeah. And so, and I was like, and so every time I go to play golf, I take a picture of a, of my ball and wherever that was on a par three. And I go, yeah. wow, if I had just played last week. <laughs> That's what you keep posting. And I tag Boss in it. Uh, oh, tag, yeah. Yeah, because Boss is a fucking, Boss and I played in uh, Scotland. So so when I did the Cellar Vegas, I did the Cellar Vegas at the Rio for the week. Yeah. And it was just a sick week. They planned it to have this, to, a certain group of guys. It was me, Bobby Kelly, Rich Voss. This was recently. Keith Robinson. It was last year. And um, so me and Rich, we go out and we go, you know Rob Sherwood? Sher- Sherwin? He opens for Carrot Top. I do. He's, Car- he's Carrot Top's opener. He's a lit Vegas guy, comic in Vegas for a long time. So us three, me, Rob, and Rich go out on the first hole. We're about to tee off on the first hole. And I hear Voss go. I'll show you the video after. Uh, you hear Voss go, holy shit, look at that. I turn around. There's a giant snake, giant snake. And somebody goes, oh, that's a fucking, that's a copperhead. Dude, this thing is, and it's going, and it's just, and it's right by the first tail. We don't even, we didn't even tee off yet. And I'm looking, and all I'm doing is admiring the red rocks. And yeah. I'm like, holy shit. Somebody was like, no, it wasn't a copperhead. It was something that it's exactly the same. It's a bull, a bull snake. Uh, yeah, it's got like a hook nose. It's, but it, I used to be really into snakes. It's, uh, yeah. I think I know what you're talking it, about. Not, not Somebody who saw it said it's not poisonous, but dude, this thing, if you, I don't know if you ever played, I'm sure you played in Vegas. You played in Vegas? Yeah. Yeah, the Roadrunners, snakes, fucking, li- it's just crazy. I played with my dad. My dad and I, my dad, I'm going to I'm, I'm gonna fly my dad out. We're, we're trying to play Pebble Beach before I start my tour. Oh, that'd be sick. But I think you got to get a room there, and it's like three grand for a room. I want to play Sawgrass, TPC Sawgrass. I want that Where's that, that? that hole, that island hole of where, all water. Where is that? Florida. I thought I played that. You played that? So- I played, I, my dad was a avid, avid golfer. So I've played some of the greatest courses. Oh, okay. Um, so, uh, uh, I wish I could remember the name. Harbor Town. It's a great course. How's, how's Tory Pines? Eh. Didn't love it? I did. I did. I had a great time. It was pretty safe. Um, and I hadn't played in a year or two, so a couple of years. And so it was pretty safe. You could find anything. I didn't lose a ball. I played with the same ball the whole round. Yeah. So, um, uh, <laughs> but I, but I was like, I, it was, it's a municipal course, you know, like it's oh, a, okay. it's a, not a, it's a state, uh, state run course. So it's like a public course. So, okay. So it's not nothing crazy. It's not going to blow your mind. There's okay. only a couple holes on the water or the one where we played. Um, so it, yeah. And they were doing construction on two holes. Um, I've played some, I mean, I, I grew up in Florida. So like the courses you'd play in Florida are the hazards were so aggressive on both sides. And oh, I played Tampa Palms growing up that you just, it was like, there was water everywhere. Yeah, yeah. So it was like, you always were like, so I'm, 
anytime I play anywhere, like when I played in Scotland, I was like, shut the fuck up. It's just a huge fucking field. I yeah. was like, uh, I think I'm good. I'm hitting driver every fucking hole. And it's not even like nice grass, right? Like, no, it's, it's all brown I played with Ben Bailey and Rich Voss, I think. I mean, I mean, I know I played, but I don't remember. I think it was Ben and me and Rich. And uh, Ben and I just rented Cubs from the course and fucking hit. Gr- I mean, the greens weren't even like kept up. Yeah, no. I So even when you watch the British Open, you're like, this is. But um, I played in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, and I played in Florida. And like, I'm not fucking with like the thing with me is I don't fuck with like reptiles like that. So oh, like see, alligators and shit, dude, if I see an alligator, like my ball no. goes, <laughs> I'm bringing extra balls down south. No, 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 no. Uh, fucking growing up in Florida, there was there was wildlife. You seen a gator oh, on, on a golf course? A hundred times. Wow. Are you serious? On the course? A hundred times yeah see I, that would fuck me up dude dude i you'd see gators in your backyard like my dad has gators in his lake my daughters would take the uh take flashlights out like the big he- flashlights and spot their eyes they, they go dad papa sp- sparkly eyes did you see the guy holding the baby alligator and then somebody goes background and the mother's just charging is there any way that you could pull that up no this isn't real no, th- I, I think it's real. Shut the fuck no, up. No, there's a guy holding a baby alligator and it's going like this and somebody goes background and you just see the big one in the back. You just see the big one running towards him, dude. And it was it was nuts. Unless, I don't think it was fake. I think it was actually No, no, real. it's got, I, I would die to see that. I, um, in Florida, there's like a, I don't know. I mean, g- gators are everywhere. I mean, yeah. gators are everywhere. So like. You're always, I mean, snow. I remember wakeboarding and you'd be wakeboarding and see an alligator in the lake. So let me ask you something, though. When you were on the Travel Channel, yeah. you must have been around snakes. You must have saw some wild shit, right? Oh, God, yeah. There's a picture of me Poisonous holding, snakes? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. We went to go find um, the Fertilance in Costa Rica. I have snake boots. I have fucking snake boots. <laughs> I have snake boots in my fucking- I'm sorry, dude. I oh, swear my God. to God, yeah. You have snake boots? I have boots? snake boots. Yeah, really the best ones you can buy. Fucking knee-high snake boots. Cause that that's when they when they come at your ankles. The Fertilances. You don't fuck with the Fertilance in Costa Rica. That's one. The guy who did Naked and Afraid was scouting to do the pilot, and he got bit by a Fertilance on his foot and almost lost his fucking foot. Like he was a pr- executive producer, and he was just walking, and he stopped. You dude, you do not fuck with. When we were in Vietnam, they were like, "Hey, uh, stop grabbing onto the trees." I went because we're we're hiking six miles into the jungle to go camp at the world's largest cave, and they were like, "Stop grabbing onto the trees!" And I was like, "Why?" And they go, "You're going to grab onto a fucking viper," and I went, "What?" "What?" And they're like, "Yeah, they have green tree vipers all over. They're very poisonous, and you'll think it's a tree branch, and you'll just grab it." They said, "By the way, that's like the most poisonous. Isn't a viper the most poisonous? One of the most poisonous six in the world?" Oh yeah, and I I was terrified my whole fucking hike because I was like looking at trees, going like they say. I I wish if if anyone can please find this clip. <laughs> it's one of the hardest I've ever laughed on the podcast. I don't remember who I had on the podcast. It was definitely I think before Halston. But it, the number one. Do you know what the number one? <laughs> what? I wish I could give credit to who said this. Please, please, please hit me up and this person because mm. it's the beauty of being friends with comedians. Yeah. I said, and it's the truth. Yeah. Do you know what the number one? <laughs> I know this person's joke already, so I'm, I'm laughing at it. Do you know what the number one <laughs> reason people fall out of trees? Oh, what? The comedian I was with goes, overconfidence? <laughs> <laughs> and I go, no, it's not. What, what is it? 
snakes grabbing onto a branch and think it's, it's a branch and, and it's people, a snake. That's the number reason one reason people fall out of trees. <laughs> you know it makes one? so it makes perfect sense. <laughs> oh. Whoever I said it to said it so flatly. He goes overconfidence. <laughs> That is uh, the number one reason oh my, people fall out of trees. Is, they're is, overconfident. Oh, that's so funny. But yeah, they grab onto a branch and, and it's, it's a, a snake. snake. And they the number one reason people fall out of trees. Oh, uh, uh, can you imagine and, but, but, grabbing onto a fucking <laughs> snake and like motherfucker? I would, dude. I would, I would, I would die, dude. I but would. But you're jump out. falling, so you got the whiskey throttle of holding onto a snake. <laughs> Son of a fucking bitch! Does somebody have a video, a YouTube video of just falling down with the snake in your hand? Oh my god! Um, and that's got to, Paulson. That's got to be something we can find. Thinking a snake is a branch. <laughs> you know, me and Burr watched a video of you on the road years ago when you were on the Travel Channel. Yeah. And Burr, Burr was like, "Dude, Burzy, come in here." He goes, "Look at, look at this video of Burt. and you jumped off of something." You jumped off of something. I don't know. It wasn't a skydive. You might have either ziplined or jumped. You were fucked. All we know is you were high. Was it the was it the stratosphere? And you just go and you just go in the video and we were crying. You go right when you jump. You just go. Ah! Ah! And me and Burr were cackle laughing like you literally like you <laughs> braced for it. And then you mentally accepted that you were doing it. Yeah. And then right when you jumped, your whole way, like the whole video is just you going, ah, <laughs> ah, dude, ah. me and Bill were crying, laughing. But I don't know what you jumped off I of. Always, I always said, I thought Travel Channel shows that I did with them would be so much better if people knew who I was. Like, uh. if you know me, they're so much better. But like, Jim Jeffries texted me one time and he goes, dude, I'm watching this show of yours, Birth Conqueror, and I'm howling laughing. Yeah. And I was like, oh, thanks. The show was, the shows were so, the show, the, the last season we did of Birth the Conqueror, there's a clip of me. I might, I might put this on Instagram. I did this I, in New Jersey at Six Flags. They got this thing called, I think it's called Zumba or Zuma. And it's a, it's a free fall ride. Oh, okay. It's a free fall ride right by the world's tallest and fastest roller coaster. If, okay. I, if I was back in my travel channel brain, I could tell you this. Yeah. The names. I had gotten a, I'd been at Action Park the day before and I had blown out my testicle. I landed on my testicle and it was a size of a wait, grapefruit. Wait, 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 what? <laughs> what? I really think this is some of the best television I've ever done in my life. I was at Action Park the day before. They were trying to rebrand Action Park and say that it wasn't dangerous. <laughs> It wasn't dangerous. Now, everyone who knows Action Park uh, is the it's the premise for Johnny Knoxville's movie about a theme park, but it was a place in Jersey uh, they used to call Class Action Park, Traction Park, because people, I mean, I'm not even joking, like, I think, like, 10 people have died there. Uh, like, lots no, of Action people. Action Park was, Action la Park was. Lots a, of people died there. They had to stop. Like, they were just having, like, free fall cliffs without the, any kind of. Like, oh, my God. Yeah. Action Park, by the way, I wish, I don't think it's still open was one of the funnest places I've ever been. It really is like going to a park and going, hold on, there's no railings? Yeah. <laughs> like yeah there's yeah. like, or, like, it was just. It's like if a bunch of comedians tried to figure out how to like enter, like do an adventure park. A hundred percent. There was nothing. There was a high dive. There was a 30 <laughs> yeah. foot high dive that anyone could jump. It was like, and it was so accessible that like, it, it well, you didn't have to climb up anything. It was, it was like they just dug a pool 30 feet yeah. down. Yeah. And it was, and the water was ice fucking cold. Yeah. 
Action Park was so much fun. I remember getting on a ride, and they're like, we're going to close it down. Someone's been electrocuted. And I was like, huh? <laughs> and so they're trying to rebrand it. So they bring us to Travel Channel, and they have a slide. They have a slide that is 30 feet in the air that you slide off it onto your back, and then the end of the slide is a high dive. Like, you fly 30 feet to the ground, to the water. And I landed on my testicle, and I blew out my testicle, right? <laughs> Fuck, the size of a grapefruit. Oh. And uh. Action Park is the funniest <laughs> place in the world because they're like, we need our we need our safety techs to come in and look at your testicle. And I was like, sure. It's two high school girls. Oh, my walk God. Walk into a room. I'm naked. I'm holding my dick in one hand so they can't see it uh. and letting my balls be below. I'm a fucking 43-year-old man. Oh, my God. And these women had never seen a grown man naked and literally like, like oh my. <laughs> and I, I filmed their reaction. And they're oh. like, you need to go to the hospital. So I go to the hospital. <laughs> In the hospital, they're like, this is bad. We're going to do some sonograms, some x-rays. And then and and I watched this woman die in the hospital. I oh watched her die. What? And, and Yeah. And she is talking to me. Like, before she died, she's in a chair. And she's like, will you talk to me? I'm scared. Oh, my. I have, I have no one. I have no one. Oh. I have no. And I'm just like, oh, my what? God. And then she fucking collapses in the chair. They take her into a room. I mean, I, I don't know if she died. But anyway, but I think I'm pretty sure she died. Anyway. Oh my God. To say I have no one talk to me. I have no one. Will you then... talk to me? And I was like, I was like, sure thing. What's going on? I can't, dude. Why are what why what is happening? Where is everybody? And I was like, oh God. I I had to take a Xanax in that fucking hospital room. So the next day we go to fucking Six Flags and I get on this ride <laughs> with this little girl. If you pull up Paulson, if you pull up the season, pull up Bert the Conqueror season three trailer, you'll see it. I'm not joking. I get in a ride with a little girl, and it's a free fall ride. It's it's free falls interesting because it really does. It really fucking pulls. It empties your brain. It is like therapy. Free fall can fucking zap your brain. It pulls everything out. Yeah. It's it's it it is. I want to say it's four four and a half seconds of free fall. It's the longest free fall ride I've ever done in my life, and I've done. I've, I've jumped out of planes. And yeah, hang on. Yeah, hang on. Hit pause. So, <laughs> so my teeth look great. So anyway, I do the free fall, fall ride and I and everything floods out of me and I start crying. I start obsessively crying and I'm sitting what? next to a little girl who's crying like crying up we were I'm like just sobbing. Hit play. What? You, sad? Able, no, like, it was just like, like it was just like I couldn't stop it. Just take a look at You'll see me crying. I guarantee it. It's I'm guarantee they close on it. <laughs> oh my god, you Dude, I did so much shit. Wait, this what is this show looks good. This was such a great episode season. I guarantee you they show me that's a free fall ride. Do you see oh, me crying? Yeah, yeah. Next to a little girl, I'm just sobbing, crying. So and the Travel Channel paid you to do this, dude. I gotta be honest. Yeah, look at that. <laughs> this poor girl's just laughing. Like, are you okay? And I was like, and it just it caught me off guard emotionally. It caught me off guard, and I was sobbing, crying. Oh. And dude, but this season of this show, this season of Birth Conquer, was so fucking good because they had fired. They they went in and fired everyone in the network except for one guy. That one guy was our exec for Travel Channel, was my exec for Birth Conqueror. Oh, they wow. fired 
everyone at the network, right? Wow. And they didn't have a president. No one worked at the network while we were making that show. No one was even fucking there. And so we didn't have any notes. So I did whatever I wanted to do. Oh my and it God. was so fucking fun. Like they were like, they do, they go do a read for Jersey. And no one was, no one's just at the wheel. So my read for Jersey was New Jersey's like big tits. I go, no, New Jersey's like a fat ass. Like if you're into fat asses, it, they get a bad rap. But yeah. if you're into fat asses, yeah. you're like, fuck yeah, it's a fat ass. Yeah. I go, that's what New Jersey's like. And the guy goes, you can see my cameraman goes, they're, they're not going to be able to use that. And I was like, okay, it's like big tits. That was the read they used for Travel Channel. If they aired Birth the Conqueror again that season, I uh, guarantee you it would fucking be a hit. Oh, my God. But, no, dude, that was that's great. Dude, that big ball thing reminded me. So when I was, um, I'll go back for a second. My mom had stage four cancer in 97. Bad, yeah, yeah. real bad. And I was, yeah, and they took it out and she was cancer free. Then it grew back and they took it. After four surgeries, they can't keep cutting you open. So then little things all over her um, liver. And then Ooh. basically she was in stage four and Ooh. the Dana-Farber, two months before her last relapse, the Dana-Farber Institute in Boston came out with a test drug. And here we are today and my mother's alive and well because of Shut it. Shut the fuck I up. I swear to God, man. Yeah, so they, they saved my mother's life. My mother got to see her grandchildren. It's, it's been amazing, but- um, something was wrong with me and, and, and when I was about 23 years old there was a pain here right right where my appendix would be and I'm a hypochondriac I worry about shit like that and I go to my doctor because something was wrong it was like this weird achy something was wrong and I go and my doctor was very passive and he just goes let me take some blood and then as he's walking out of the room he stopped himself and he goes you know what Paul I hate to do this I'm going to send you to the emergency room I got to figure this out and I thought he was I almost thought he was fucking with me and I go home and I tell my mom, I go, I got to go up to the emergency. She goes, stop it. I go, no, seriously. So they make me drink this thing. And they're like, there's a mass there. You can see the scar here. You see the scar? Yeah. Yeah, right there. So uh, so they were like, I come out of surgery that night. I had emergency surgery that night. I come out. And I remember coming out, coming to, and my mom's going, okay, Paul, they got it out. Um, however, you know, they did find something. And I was just like, and everything. I had a friend who had cancer and lost his mother. My mother had cancer and I'm laying there and I'm doing, all right, now Bert, I'm doing black contest shows in the city. I'm doing the, I'm doing the urban circuit in New York City because that's the only place I get stage time. 250 all black audience members wanted to boo me off stage. I remember driving from uh, upstate New York to 125th Street in Harlem Uptown Comedy Club to do five, six minutes for no money, but I had to do it. And things started to move and I started, people were like, oh, this guy's funny, put him on this. And now I'm two years into like starting to get into stand-up for real and I'm laying on this thing and they go, you're going to be here for four days. We're going to do a biopsy on this mask that they took out. And I'm just going, dude, if I have, and I remember, I remember praying. I remember just being like, just, I'm, I'm, I think I could do something in comedy. Just please, not now, you know, and all this stuff. And I was praying and I was all this stuff and I'm waiting and there's a guy next to me and he's an old man and the curtain is between us. And I would hear like, you just brought this up. And he goes, it's 100% true. And he goes, hey, son, how, you know, we're just talking. And he's like, yeah, you know, I can't get out of here until my uh, testicle goes down. And I go, what? And he goes, yeah, you wouldn't believe it. One of my testicles is the size of a softball. And I'm like kind of giggling, but I'm just like, and he was like in his 60s or 70s. And he was like, yeah, I heard you got a nice family who cares about you. And this, and we're just talking. And I get up to go to the bathroom one time. And he goes, come here, Paul. Let me show you this thing. I, I swear to God. And this guy lifts his gown. And what I witnessed, 
this dude's, I believe it was his left testicle, if my memory serves me correctly, was literally, I could I didn't believe it was actually physically possible yeah. for a fucking, and I remember it had like a pale tone to it because he was a fucking old man with like a big sack. And this ball was like a fucking, it was like a, it was literally like he had one normal testicle. I bet I could find, I bet I could find. And one, I'm gonna show you my testicle, I guarantee it. And on one here. testicle was a baseball and it's something that burned in my brain. And then, uh, and then I found out that what I had a few days later was a uh, diverticulosis I was born with on the, uh, and it was an infection that they took out and they had to cut it out. And that what was it. What year was so. that Birds Conqueror video? 2016? QC Holston? Yes. 2016? In the United States. Let's see. I'm sure we probably shot it in. I, I guarantee you I have this fucking picture of my testicle. Not Los Angeles. There's no way it looks worse Wayne, than this no. old man's. No way. Don't look at does. an old man's sack. When was when did we shoot that? My, we show, oh, I have my glasses. Why don't I just wear them? Well, Bert, how do you blow out a testicle? You'll like, see. What I, it, I think you're going to really be excited about this. I I mean, I don't know if I am. <laughs> New Brunswick? Where's New, New Brunswick? New Brunswick. Oh, that's... Here. No, this must have been the beginning of 2016. Fayetteville bowden not okay yeah soak city oh well wow, it's coming it's coming dallas no. universal des moines no los dude. angeles irvine bisbee bisbee maybe you won't find it i'm hoping i do maybe you won't maybe we could all be Clearwater, lucky sea world san antonio oh. new york little italy these are all the places i went austin dayton toluca lake valley village uh. miami bush guard oh it's coming it's coming where 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 is uh where is jersey where is where is um <laughs> what city is uh Minnesota, Detroit, California, Georgia, Georgia, Santa Claus, Indiana? <laughs> it's gotta be coming. Oregon, Washington, uh, New York, California. Come on, baby. Where's this testicle? Uh, I can't wait to fucking find this. Uh uh no Maine? No. Tennessee, do I not have it? Oh, it was right after that, wasn't it? Oh boy. Uh, I thought I was spared. I found it. No, you didn't. You found the ball? Oh! oh. <laughs> <laughs> Why is it pink? Did you see that? That's Why is it pink on that side? It, it, it exploded. <laughs> Look at that. That's like ice cold, oh. ice cold balls. That is ice cold <clears throat> balls. Oh. Is that not, that's like when your nuts are frozen because I was in ice cold and I took a picture and sent it to my wife. I go, does oh. this look bad? Oh my God. Oh, fuck yeah. Oh shit. Well, I could tell you this old man's was was triple that size. Yeah. Oh God. Oh, I'm texting this to my wife. Holy shit. Yeah. That's funny how the podcast got to that, right? Yeah, we, should end, we should end on that. <laughs> podcast. Do you remember in. when I blew out my testicle? comma love you <laughs> um uh awesome man well so fuck yeah well I, dude thanks for doing this man. dude thank you for having me man you've always been every time i've seen you you've always been gracious and uh i'll never forget you know comics we remember we always remember who's good to us but we especially remember who's bad and you were always cool and when we worked together at levity man it, it was great so and thanks for having me here while, while i'm in town Louis j gomez showed up that week Maybe I was when I met Lewis. Oh, maybe yeah. That was the first time I met. Yeah, Lewis. maybe maybe Lewis showed up that week. Yeah, I think he so. Was Lewis J. Gomez. They call me the the uh, Puerto Rican rattlesnake. Yeah. I went, 
<laughs> really? I remember going, <laughs> did you just tell me your nickname so that I could call it to you? <laughs> hey, Puerto Rican rattlesnake. I fucking, that was, I met you and Lewis that weekend. Wow. Yeah. That's cool, man. That was a great fucking weekend. I'm really glad we did that. No, no, oh, my man, wife's yeah. calling. I just sent her the testicle picture. Oh, boy. What's up, baby? What are you going to send me a picture of? <laughs> my testicle. Remember when I ruptured my testicle in uh, Action Park? Oh, okay. That's not current. No, that's not current. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I love you. Uh, we're wrapping this up. I love you. I'll talk to you later. Bye. That is a caring wife. Yeah. She was like, I don't care if they're doing a show. I got to make sure his testicle is okay. Oh, that's fuck. not current. Yes. Like you would blow it out during this. Yeah. <laughs> what the fuck are you guys doing in the man cave? I mean, the podcast was going well, and then I blew out my testicle <laughs> so what do you got to promote you uh, what yeah so uh this week thursday through sunday i will be headlining uh the pittsburgh improv and my feature is pittsburgh's own joe bartnick that's going to be great and i'm going to be also at the end of september september 27th and 28th i'll be headlining my favorite club in new york city uh gotham comedy club so come out to that as well and for other dates and other stuff in between you can go to paulverzi.com thanks again check out my uh podcast too, the verzi effect the verzi effect i was on it yeah you were yeah, fuck you, yeah. You Find right. that episode. Listen to how high my voice is. Now yeah. that with age, my voice has gotten a lot deeper. Like Dave Chappelle. Oh, is that? Oh, I will listen to, for that. Yeah. I used to I used to talk like this. Like if like hey. Like if you listen to my old specials. You know what's funny? I uh all Things Comedy posted an old clip of Joe Rogan with a backwards hat, super, super like small. And he and he said, like, you know, I, my girlfriend would say, like, would you fuck Madonna? He was like, I would fuck Madonna in front of you on the breakfast table while eating cereal. And it was like a different voice. I actually yeah. didn't recognize the voice. Yeah. That happens. Oh, the older you get, the deeper your voice gets. Oh shit. I have a gr I love my voice right now. You like the you like the Well, I fucked it up by throwing up. I ripped I think I fucked my vocal cords up. But um I like my voice better now than I did. Like when I hear videos of me younger, like from Bird <laughs> the Conqueror, I yeah. I'm just like Listen to how can you pull can you pull um That's that's still his voice i can hear it i can hear it it's just a little higher to put Bert the conqueror uh Bert the conqueror um arena football and no not Bert the conqueror hurt Bert arena football on youtube listen to how high my voice is you'll be like you'll be like oh how, how long ago is this this was was that you yeah that's me at uh, 186 pounds and what year is this? This is 2002. Listen to my voice. Okay, pretty good. A whole bunch. The name of the show is Hurt Bird. And what we're going to do today is we're going to hurt Bird. Uh, put your face like in Hurt Bird. Okay. Well, a whole bunch. <laughs> this is. Wow, you want to see something fucking crazy? Please saying you get number ten taunting me with the knee kick to the groin. Does my voice sound higher there? <laughs> a little bit, yeah. A little bit. Go forward, forward, fast forward, a little bit. I'll tell you where. Keep going. Drag, 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 drag. Right there. Right where you see the. Okay, keep going back. Go back. Go back. Go back. Go back. There we go. Hit play. Right there. This is. Look how small I am. Okay. Okay. <laughs> this was a TV show that they said would never work. 
That's all I could. But then Wait, do you that, see this? Wait, do you see this fucking hit? Watch this. Watch this. Wait, wait. That's not the. That's not the good one. That's not the good one. Hold on. Wait, do you see? Wait, do you see? Wait, I almost, I almost broke my neck in one of these. Oh. This I almost broke my neck here. Watch this. Was that alright? Oh. Watch this. Wait, you haven't seen. Wait, do you see this fucking hit that I take, dude? This one's fucking. Dude, this not is this like one. borderline uncomfortable to watch. Yeah, I know. This is back when I wanted to be famous. <laughs> Watch this. I feel like everything's sideways, kind of, and clear. The weirdest part. Watch is this. This is behind. legit. Concussion. And then all of a sudden. Oh. And then you're all of a sudden you're in the ground and you're moving and you're going, my, my life. You got up though, dude. Man. There's just bumps, random bumps. <laughs> dude, you have always been. You're like you're out of your mind with this. You jumped out of a plane for that yeah, show. Uh, I jumped out of a plane. You can hit it, hit, turn it off, Halston. Yeah, I, I've, I've done a lot of fucked up stuff. Oh, dude. I've done a lot, a you lot of You got up from that, up though, stuff. man. A lot of kids wouldn't have got up from that. Yeah. I've and done, you weren't that big. No, 186 pounds. I got to lose weight. I got to work out. We got to get you out of here. Yeah. <laughs> I got to eat some fucking lunch and work out, bro. Thank yeah. you so much thank for Thank you, this. man. This has been a great fucking podcast. And what dude, are we at? We're like two and a half hours? Two and a half hours. Is whenever I do a two and a half hour one, you know that I'm fucking like. I hope you're. Yeah, I hope you enjoyed. It. I enjoyed it, man. Dude, it started off perfect. We got yeah. so real about fucking anxiety, it and it, panic and 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 fucking every, OCD. Every great podcast starts out not knowing you started. I was gonna be like, oh, is he just talk? Like when you first started talking, fucking noobs gonna or quips gonna lose their fucking mind. Yeah, but like right at the beginning of this, they're gonna be like, fuck yeah, Bert. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's, dude. When you come to New York, you come to New York, dude. I mean, obviously, I'll see you at the new stand, but hit me up, dude. Yeah, yeah. I'm coming to New York. I think uh, sometime this month, we're gonna fly out and hit up with these people uh, that I hope. Uh, hopefully, I'll have on the podcast. Love Vagabond. They sail around the world and are on YouTube. Okay, I'm really fucking Riley and uh, Alana. Well, I think it's Atlanta. If I'm back from vacation, I'll, I'll get up. But when you come to the stand or the cellar, I'll see you. Awesome, brother. Yeah, cool, thank man. you, man. Thank, thank you, you, man. Appreciate it. This episode was brought to you by The Machine.